Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. One of the most anticipated national football shows of the year. Big Sills! Absolutely. Has to be... One of the most anticipated shows that we're going to do today. You know, I was just telling Tone, everyone's assuming that they're going to move out of 30, the Eagles. I think it's all predicated on what they do at 10. Or who they get at 10. I think that 10th pick dictates the 30th pick and what they'll do. Move out? Maybe move up from 30. When you have multiple picks in the first round, And you have a lottery pick. You basically have a golden ticket. Do you understand of the 32 NFL teams, there's only 10 teams that have the golden ticket. You have a top 10 opportunity to get, as I said yesterday, an impact player. Make it an impact move. Do something where it's an impactful move. By the way, I know there's been talk on Jalen Carter. I've been telling you he's this dude for three weeks. He's Jerome Brown. Would I have a problem instead of Bijan for Jalen Carter? Absolutely not. You really want to go out and make a move? You move up to three like Merrill suggested yesterday. Kim Will Anderson. Another grand slam. Get an impactful football player. Not some dude who's the seventh ranked corner or the 30th ranked player on the board. There's not 30 players in this draft that are impact players. Why in the world would you draft a guy who's not an impact player to an impact team? Dumbest stuff you hear. You hear that dumb shit every day. Let me get Nolan Smith. Why? Dude, if you're going to get Nolan Smith, move up to three. Seriously, if you're thinking about Nolan Smith at 10, go get the best guy on the planet. Here, let me ask you this in your own place of hiring. If you knew you had an opportunity to get the best available candidate for your company, wouldn't you go get them? Or would you sit and hire the third best guy in the room? Apply your own life. Makes zero sense. Makes zero sense. I hear people are like, well, Sills, you really think the organization is thinking about Bijan. You know why you think of Bijan Robinson at 10? Because he's the best player in the draft. He's the best player. Wait, here. Let me go get Nolan Smith at 10 and pass on the best player in the draft. 
Well, that's not really a giant need position. Yes, it is. Your guys in the backfield are dudes, and you know it. You stroke those guys like those guys are Brian Westbrook. They're not Brian Westbrook. They're not even Miles Sanders. Be a break. There's 13 guys in this draft that are worth a shit that I would consider impact. And here they are. C.J. Stroud at 13. Okay, I'm going to put him there. You know what's funny? I was watching Greg Cosell do one of the most insane, insane reviews of C.J. Stroud. And guess what he was doing? He was playing against Michigan State. Not one guy in that secondary at Michigan State will be drafted in the first two or three rounds. And those windows were so wide open. You know what he said? Here's a pro passing play. Here's an NFL pass. Here's an NFL pass. You know why quarterbacks from Ohio State, Ohio State struggle? Because those windows are so open and you're playing against turds. That pass ain't open in the SEC. That pass is not open in the SEC. It's open at Iowa. It's open at Northwestern. It's not open at Georgia, LSU, A&M, South Carolina. It's not open in those games. You're comparing a guy throwing a football against a Michigan State team that sucked last year, and you're trying to convince me that that was a pro pass? It's nine on seven versus shitty opponents and lesser talent than when you look at the Southeastern Conference. I mean, I heard a guy who really evaluates players. It was the stupidest evaluation of all time. I, You know what I do? I look at the players these guys play against. Who are these guys? Why is he so wide open? Is there any talent on the other side? The answer is no. Over-evaluation. Shit, dude. No wonder Cardell Jones looked superstarish when he was at Ohio State, or Dwayne Haskins looked superstarish. Those windows are wide open. Those guys don't complete those passes when you're down in the Southeastern Conference. Not close. It's a fraudulent evaluation. I still think the kid is good. And I happen to think the people behind him are okay. By the way, one more thing on Nolan Smith. He has no production. Look at his statistics. Zero production. Zero. Like the guy the Eagles drafted last year. Great athlete. No production. What do you want? A productive athlete? Or a lesser and a lesser talented player but makes plays? Or do you want a guy who looks good in the gym? The Eagles would hire two guys who look good in the gym and on a track field. How about being a football player, dude? Be productive. You got to be productive, guy. I got Will Levis here at number 12. The value of the quarterback position, 
He's probably got the better arm. I don't have any Anthony Richardson at all. These are not, these are my best 13 players. I think the kid from Kentucky struggles from one thing, lack of talent. You think Kentucky has the same talent that Georgia does or Alabama? No. So his production is going to be like Josh Allen. It's going to go up and down every game and every week. They don't have depth like Georgia, A&M, or LSU. They don't don't have that kind of depth at a program like Kentucky. Kentucky's a hoop school. It's not a football school. He transferred from a football program to a hoop school. You think they're going to have talented players at Kentucky every year? Absolutely not. So just like Josh Allen, who had a better junior year, there's going to be lesser talent with injuries. And I had a lot of injuries at Kentucky. So I take that into account. He got killed last year. You know, the one thing you say about the quarterback from Kentucky, he's tough as nails. He took a beating last year. And I'm a fan of that. He took a beating. You have to have courage in the pocket. One thing Baker Mayfield never had was courage in the pocket. The quarterback from Kentucky has courage in the pocket. He's got a good arm, and he can play. Number 11, these are the top 13 players that I have because I don't think there's anything past 13. Jackson Smith, Najaba, Ohio State wide receiver. I think he's the best wide receiver on the board. I think the rest of them, I'm not drafting a wide receiver from TCU. Not happening. Not happening. They do not produce skilled players. They produce players that are overhyped and overrated in an overrated and overhyped conference, the Big 12. I mean, think about it. It's the worst defensive power five conference in the country. You're going to sign a wide receiver that goes against the worst talent in the country power five wise and feel comfortable with that. I just got through telling you about the Big 10 not having the greatest teams. The worst defense by a Power 5 conference is Big 12. So you're going to sign a wide receiver from TCU or any of those other places? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. C.D. Lamb's a good ball player, but he ain't A.J. Brown. The Cowboys make you think he is, but he's not. C.D. Lamb's a good ball player, but he ain't one of those elite guys. Okay, he's not one of those elite dudes. Number 10, Broderick Jones, Georgia, offensive tackle. Again, he's in the sandbox with the rest of those guys. It's a pretty good group of guys at the OT position. Number nine, I got Devon Witherspoon. Illinois, one of my favorite players in the draft. Makes some false steps. Um, Hell of a hitter. Reminds me a lot of Bob Sanders. Um, Again, speed, I would question a tad. But I like the ball player. I think he's got moxie. Peter Skronowski, I didn't know that he had a family member that won five championships with the Lombardi Packers back in the day. It's either his grandfather or his father played for Lombardi on the other side of Forrest Gregg. So obviously he's had the bloodlines and I love the fact that he grew up around the football game and his family grew up around it. I love that. I love players that grew up in a football environment since the time they were small. 
Now, he didn't start playing ball until he was in the sixth grade, which is a little bit late. But still, he's had football in his family. His grandpa, thank you, Neil. His grandpa played for the Lombardi Packers and so and won five titles. So he, he grew up in it. He grew up in an athletic environment. I love that. Because that means this, what? Competing. Competing. I got Bryce Young at seven. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. And p- quite frankly, I think he's the second best offensive skilled player in the draft. He's a heck of a football player. And you know what's getting in the way of his success? You looking at the body and not looking at the body of work that he's put together. Bryce Young has put together a body of work that's greater than Joe Burrow did. His body of work is better than Joe Burrow in what he's done in college. The only thing that's different is his body. I've got to go with the body of work. Because in other words, you'd be telling me this. Hey, Sills, draft Jordan Davis. Even though he's the bigger athlete and the faster athlete. And don't take Jalen Carter because Jalen Carter's the more productive guy. You got to take production over body. And, I, and I'll say this to you. So what? Bryce Young lasts five years and gets a devastating injury and he doesn't. He doesn't last 10 years. If he delivers you a Super Bowl, what do you care? If he only plays six years and delivers you a Super Bowl and blows his knee out, was it worth it? Would it be worth it? Yeah. Yeah. Number six, Christian Gonzalez. Transferred from Colorado to Oregon. Had a great conversation with Mario um, crystal ball last night about him. He said, look, we were looking at him. He's a fabulous talent. Um, he's got great feet separation and he's a lot like, get this. So here's somebody to look at. He's got Darrell Revis in him. And Darrell Revis had a technique. What did he do? He mugged you down the sidelines. Now you're not able to do that as much in today's NFL. Cause they, they frown on that. But you know, the one thing he does, he's one of those guys that uses the sideline as a defender And by the end of the route, the guy's out of bounds or close to having no room to have the pass completed to him. He's he's got great field awareness. He's a pretty good football player. So I've moved him up a bit. And I got Christian Gonzalez at six. These are the the 13 best players, in my opinion, in my view. We're also going to look at the draft. And again... Where the Eagles sit at 10, you, you don't know what you're doing. You have, you have kind of a litter of players that you're going to choose from. But you don't know where you're going yet until you see what the quarterbacks are going to do. See, the quarterbacks are going to dictate the entire draft. I think Arizona's also, and I think Houston could also flip the draft upside down a little bit. Here's your top five. Paris Johnson is a better player than Skronoski. He's a better player. He, he's a more versatile player. He's big as hell, great feet, play him inside or outside. And he is a perfect Jeff Stoutland guy. I would not be upset if that guy was taken by the Eagles. 
He's large. He's enormous. He's got great awareness. Um, he's an earth mover. And he fits right into that offensive line that the Eagles have constructed. You're talking about another 6'5 guy. That's, again, it's more of a safe pick. But it's a pick that has relevance. Why? There's an open position at right guard right now. And you could slug him in. And in my opinion, he would be in the Pro Bowl. You got two opportunities to draft Pro Bowl players here. Number four, Tyree Wilson. Some health issues. Um, However, as I tell you about the Big 12 not being a very good defensive conference, it's the worst power five conference in the NFL, excuse me, in college football. He still gets multiple reps and game reps. Remember this. He gets multiple game reps because that conference throws the ball 50 times a game. You get 50 opportunities at pass rushing. And you get quality reps to improve your craft. And he's productive. He's productive. He's got multiple moves. He's got two, three moves. He's good on a second move. He's rangy. He's a long kid, man. He really is. He's got great length to him. He engages the run well. He does a lot of good things. You know, the one area that I would look at Tyree Wilson where I think he's got issues is keeping people off his knees. Okay? He's got to bend over a little more. If that were me, okay, and I was his D-line coach, squat down more, kid. Get down there, man. You can't overpower. You're not going to be able to overpower offensive tackles in the National Football Leagues or guards playing as high as you do. He plays a little high, and he doesn't really protect his knees and his ankles as much. He's got to get down lower, man. You got to be kind of like a little freak out there. You got to be kind of like a Javon curse. He's got capabilities of being a Javon curse. You could stand this guy up though. So again, just a little issue with Tyree Wilson and protecting his knees and getting lower in a crotch. Would you trade 10 and 30 for Carter or Will Anderson? Let me get to that, Carson. Let me finish the top 13 players and I'll, and I'll, and I'll address that. Jalen Carter's the third best player in the draft. You can make the argument, he if you said Sills, he's the best player in the draft. Okay. There's three quality guys. There's three superstars. Carter, Anderson, and B.J. Robinson. Those are your three best players. Those are your three best impact players. And if you drafted any one of those guys, number one, see, here, watch this. B. John Robinson, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter belong in this sandbox and everybody else belongs. Uh, I would say 6 through 15 belong in the second sandbox. The rest of the first round, the third. And then after that, you can do whatever you want. Best player available, I don't care. You're going to be able to go to best player available quicker in this draft than you have in any other draft. I will say this to you. I think this draft here doesn't have a lot of talent in it, but it's going to be the most compelling draft maybe I've covered in 20 years. And I've covered drafts and been to draft. I've done everything. I've been in draft rooms. I've been in the Raider draft room. 
I've been in the Cowboy draft room. I've been in the Cleveland Browns draft room. Day of the draft. I've been in the Dolphins draft room. I've been in all these draft rooms. This is probably the most compelling because you know why? There's not a consensus on who they think are the top three players. It's a group of dudes. I got Anderson at number two. If you said, listen to me, if you said Sills, he's the best player in the draft. Okay. All right. I think it's razor thin. Edge rusher at two. And number one, the best player in this draft is B.J. Robinson. He's the best. He's LaDainian Tomlinson. He's LaDainian Tomlinson. I'm going to give you some comparisons to these 13 players. Okay? B. John Robinson, LaDainian. Will Anderson, Cornelius Bennett. Jalen Carter, Jerome Brown. Tyree Wilson, probably a Javon Curse. Paris Johnson, Landon Dickerson. I think he could be a Landon Dickerson. I think he could be a Landon Dickerson type. Gonzalez, a cheap man's version of Darrell Rivas. Not as good. I don't think he has that high a ceiling. Bryce Young, Drew Brees. Maybe more so a smaller Patrick Mahomes. He's more like that, a Patrick Mahomes. That's how I would look at that. There's 13 dudes. There's 13 dudes. And so when you start talking to me about non-impactful players at 10, okay? And, and for the record, sure, we mentioned it yesterday, the depth at corner. Dude, I'll go into two, and I'll go into third round to get my depth. I'm not, wa- I'm not wasting another year of draft picks of guys sitting on the bench. The Eagles' entire draft last year with some play from Jordan Davis, made zero impact on your football team a year ago. Zero. Not even in special teams. Okay? Quan, Bijan Robinson, Edger and James. Well, Edger and James is a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Fame player. Got an impactful position. And, and you know what? I hear people go like this. Well, the Eagles don't value the running back position, but yet they value the running game. Put that in your, your thought process. This is not what they do. This is not what they do. It is exactly what they do. The Eagles start with the run game. Don't When anyone tells you the Eagles don't value the run game, that's crazy. And they have been able to be cheap at that position for a long time. And when it matters the most in critical games against Kansas City, your running back was gone. 
Where was Miles Sanders in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter? I mean, you could have put that guy's face on a milk carton. You could have put that guy. You and, and, and can you imagine Jalen Hurts and Bijan Robinson in control of the Eagle run game? And AJ and Devontae and Dallas Goddard. And by the way, this guy's an amazing pass catcher. He would improve a shitty screen game that you don't have. So wait a minute. Let me get this right. He would improve your passing game. He would make those windows open for your wideouts more. He would take he. Just listen to this. Just listen to where I'm going with you here. So he would take some of the carries away from Jalen, not production. He would make the wide receiver, he would impact the wideouts in their windows that would be open. He would improve your screen game and he would improve your run game. We're not talking about drafting a running back. We're talking about drafting a dual threat running back. Why not put a dual threat running back with a dual threat quarterback? How does that not make sense? You would have two dual threat players in the backfield. You wouldn't know what the, how could you cut? You don't have the defensive personnel on the NFC side of the NFL to cover all those players in Philadelphia. Kenneth Gainwell on a game plan and Boston don't do shit for me. I'm not concerned about them dudes. I'm concerned more about your old line. You put BJ behind them. I'm concerned about the run game even more so. And everything will be created off that run game and you accentuate the run game. And it would help your passing game and it would help your quarterback continue. What helps Jalen hurts out more another wide out. Or a back that makes those windows wider and bigger and more open. How are you not seeing this? You're clouded in your judgment on the running back position is narrow-minded thinking. This player affords you more ability, okay, to expand other areas of your offense and make you more of a threat. I don't know if he's going to be there at 10. Because the more you talk to people, the more people are going, I think he's the best player in the draft. So let me get this right. You would draft Nolan Smith at 10 and pass on the best player in the draft. Knowing full well what I just said, he would help every area. Your Bijan Robinson helps every area of your offense. Every area of your offense. Does Paris Johnson? Probably too. Eagles put a huge value on the O-line. I'm not saying he I'm not saying he doesn't. Like I said to you guys, if it's not Paris Johnson, BJ Robinson, Will Anderson, or Jalen Carter, the rest of those dudes are just gonna be dudes. I trade the hell down and I would get as many picks as I can, and I would hope I'd land it on somebody who could turn out to be somebody you find in a ladder round, like a Jason Kelsey, and then turns into a superstar player. And I would pray on if I don't get one of those four, I would want to get as many picks as I can, hoping that I would land on somebody who would be a star. 
Because as I've showed you, your history of drafting, it's been better as of late. But your history of drafting edge rushers is sucks. Your history of drafting DBs suck. You make it sound like if you draft an edge rusher, look at the edge rushers they've drafted over the years in the first round. They've all blown except for Brandon Graham. Josh Sweat was a fourth rounder. He wasn't a first rounder. That was best player available. You make it sound like they draft edge rushers like they're gu- they're gifted at isolating and identifying the college draft guys. No, they're not. They can't pick a linebacker to save their life. Their entire secondary, including the corners, are not homegrown. They're bought. Your top edge rusher is bought. So don't make it sound going into tonight's draft that these guys are savants at it. It's gotten better. 17 of the 22. It's gotten better. But your premium positions on defense are bought. So if you've got limited picks, doesn't it make sense? It's got to be an impact guy. It's got to be an impact dude. Make it impactful. You're never going to be in the 10 hole here. I don't believe the, hey, I'm going to take back what I said. What was it on the 13th of last month? You guys are in the pool and the little kitty box of being in the NFC opportunity to get to the Super Bowl again. Absolutely. Howie's done a marvelous job. This has been a great off season for him. And he could, there's two more moves. Okay, the draft and June 1. I think Howie's going to make an impactful move in June 1. When players are cut, he did last year. He found Gardner Johnson nine days before the start of the season, scouring the rosters, looking for players. Even the Saints didn't even know what they had. He's great at that. He's still got two more moves. Remember, $20 million in cap space? Okay? Top five players. Could use a linebacker. Drew. I don't want to draft one of these guys. I'll UDFA them. Unrestricted free agents. I'll sign a bunch of them. Bring them into camp. But I'm going to go looking at some of the rosters in the NFL because I don't think it's a deep pool. I don't want to waste my draft capital knowing full well. There's really Campbell and a bunch of other dudes, like three other guys. Okay? So let Howie – I feel more comfortable with Howie going on a roster in Seattle finding a linebacker that you have on a practice squad. I'd rather sign a practice squad linebacker right now than I would draft a linebacker out of this group. Look at the moves Howie made. He knows the linebacking core is what? Weak. Got the kid from Chicago. By the way, the kid Morrow, after the third round, it's probably better than anything you could draft. Smart move. The D-tackle they got from New Orleans. Okay? Guess what? It's not a very deep pool of DTs after the second round. Good move there. He knows there's nothing in it. He's scouring the rosters. He's great at that. There's no doubt about that. There's... There, 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 there's no denying that. Okay? 
Yeah, Bijan, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Paris Johnson, Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson, again, the only problem I have with Tyree Wilson, I don't think he protect, protects his knees. I don't think he bends over and squats over as well, and that's why you see some injuries with him and lower extremity issues that he has because he can't keep guys off his knees. NFL, it's a technique league. You're going to have to play better, son. You're going to have to play better. Okay? He's a good football player. But when you get to the NFL, these guys are technicians with power and speed. The biggest thing that you have to understand when you get to the NFL, you can't overpower people. Everyone's strong. Everyone's enormous. Everyone. But not everybody is a technician. Remember when we had Stink on? Stink's talking to you about how he prepared for a play. Let alone a game. A play. He went on a 15-minute diatribe about one play. Timing. Knowing what the quarterback does going in his seventh step. Where is he in the pocket? All that. One play. He was breaking down for you. That's what's the difference between the college game and the pro game. Everything is about technique and execution. You know, that's why offensive guys, you know why it takes longer for offensive guys to develop more so than defensive guys? Think about this. 11 guys have to get their technique and their play down to a T. Jason Kelsey has to take a flat step so that the linebacker can't come in so he can slip and scoop. You got the guy, Lane Johnson, getting out to the outside, making sure that the defensive end doesn't set the edge. You got your backside guard, Landon Dickerson, coming across, taking a flat step, making sure nobody gets down in the middle in there. And you got Malata giving him a false read. And then you got Jeff. Everybody has to make a play on offense. Everyone has to do their job. On defense, 10 guys could screw up. One guy get in the backfield, make a play, plays over. That's why... You see defensive football players early on making a bigger impact than you do offensive players because it takes time. Running backs, you know why some running backs don't get on the field? Because some running backs can't pick up blitz packages. So they keep them on the bench. One of the things Rashad Penny couldn't get on the field in Seattle, not just the fact that he couldn't see the field because he was always injured, he was terrible as a pass protector. That's why Chris Carson started over him. He was more productive, and he was smarter in the pass game. He was able to pick up the pass protection. Pass protection is a key in this thing, too. If you're a young running back, dude, the number one thing you've got to work on is catching the football and making sure you know who you're picking up because these defensive coordinators nowadays, they're going to bring the house at you, and they're going to test and see if you know what you're doing. Bill Belichick told me something years ago when he was down with Jimmy Johnson. Do you know who he attacks in football games? The guy with the least knowledge. And he'll attack free agents and rookies. You know why? Because he his belief is this. Most of the time, those guys don't know their assignments yet or what's expected of them in that particular scheme. That's why you see most of the time, the better free agent year you get is the second year because he kind of knows what's going on in the scheme. When he first shows up, he barely knows what he's doing. But when the second year, you kind of know what your responsibilities are and your techniques are. That's why guys have better second years when they get into a particular team when they're coming over in free agency. Okay? So again, 
This whole draft is going to come. By the way, Keith Byers is going to join us at 4.30. He is the last running back ever drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the first round. And by the way, he was the 10th pick. How appropriate to have Keith Byers on talking about impacts of a running back. 4.30. Now, the key to this draft for the Eagles is obviously that 10th pick. Because in my opinion, the 10th pick dictates what you do at the 30th pick. People keep saying, well, they'll trade out of the 30th. Not if they trade down from 10. How do you know that? They may trade that pick. Mike Hawk, A.J. Hawks, brother, a solid linebacker. We can, we can take. I'll wait for him to be a free agent. Again, I'll, I'll say this to you. Whether he's a sixth or seventh rounder or a free agent, there's no difference. They're in the same, they're in the same sandbox. You name me. A, when, when you said he's A.J. Hawk's brother, I immediately went, nah, it's all right. I'll get another guy, free agent. Because you're looking at the back of the jersey instead of the player and his production. Pretty good player. There's going to be a ton of pretty good players that are going to be unrestricted free agents when the draft is said and done like you did with T.J. Edwards. T.J. Ad- Edwards was a, was a UDFA, undrafted free agent. Now he's making $7.5 million. They didn't waste any draft capital on him. That's what I want to do again. This is not a deep pool of linebackers, so I'm going to go, and I'm going to go and get a guy with a UDFA. I don't care. I'm not wasting a draft pick because I have limited. I've got to try to fill holes with six picks. Maybe more if they trade the 30th. Okay? Maybe more. All right. The key is this. I wrote the list down of all 31 teams that are picking. And we did this exercise before. And now, as we're here on draft day, we need to look at it here because Carolina. Now, let me say this to you. I've heard Carolinas also, they were also a week ago in the process of thinking about trading for Lamar Jackson. Um, And I talked to Frank about it. Frank said they explored everything. He said the draft capital's too much, and I really like a guy. Now, he wouldn't tell me which one that he likes. People are throwing Will Levis out there or Will Levis. Get this. Agents are going to be throwing this information out, and so are general managers because they're trying to take you off the scent of what they really want to do. Could Carolina put an edge rusher there at one on the other side of Brian Burns? No, I do not believe that. I think they're taking the quarterback. Okay? I think they'll take the quarterback. They have been a headless organization since Cam Newton fell apart. They need to get a quarterback in the building. Frank needs a quarterback. They need a quarterback. I'm going to show you something that is so has tentacles back to the Philadelphia Eagles. Watch this. Look at what your guys have done. Look at what people that have worked in the Eagle organization have done. Andrew Berry. Former Eagle executive. What did he do? He got his quarterback, Deshaun Watson. 
Joe Douglas, former Eagle executive, what did he do? He got his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Howie just signed his quarterback to a $255 million deal. These guys know it all starts there. Those general managers who worked at the Novacare Center know it starts there. Where did Frank Reich have the most success? Okay? Philly. He knows it starts there at the quarterback position. That's why, in my opinion, Carolina didn't move up to take an edge rusher at one. Anyone who says that they're going to take Will Anderson at one, they're dumb. Why would you move? Now, look, he's a great player. I get it. But he doesn't win you the NFC South, which is there for the taking now. Do we not agree? Uh, Derek Carr? Okay. Then what? Baker Mayfield? Houston's intriguing here. Um, the McNair family, in my opinion, you think taking C.J. Stroud is something that they would be in line for? No way. I think they take the Kentucky quarterback here with the second pick. And I think you can maybe play into why. I think they take Will Levis here at number two. And I, I, I get where people would go. Houston would take Will Anderson. It's not a bad thought. It's not a bad thought. By the way, they have 12 draft choices too. Okay, so they can make moves. Would Houston be in? Hey, I got a feeling that Lamar Jackson's name is going to be brought up a lot tonight. I, I, I think his name is going to be brought up a lot. Okay? I do. Would Houston... With all the assets that they got from Cleveland, would they send them over to Baltimore for Lamar Jackson? Could be there. March 26. We're not talking 36. They got the draft capital. Okay? Maurice Gosills, this draft is overrated. Loaded with overrated quarterbacks. Overhyped, overdrafted, overevaluated, all of it. I think it's a shitty group of guys. I think it's, hey, I never said they were good. I said this is where these guys are going to try to make chicken shit into chicken soup. Oh, I completely agree. I think these quarterbacks outside of Bryce Young, I think they're bums. Anthony Richardson with a 51 completion percentage in the Southeastern Conference. You think that improves in the NFL? Really? You do? I don't. That was like telling me when Sam Darnold was a turnover machine at Southern Cal, I went, those too many turnovers in the Pac-12. You think that's going to improve in the AFC East? It didn't. You are what you are, dude. That guy will never be able to hit the broadside of a barn. He's a bigger version of Justin Fields. And whatever you think of Justin Fields, if you think Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback, we're power to you. I don't. I think he's kind of that kind of guy. And he won less games. Well, because Field was in a lesser conference. I just, I'd look at Anthony Richardson and go, you know, you, you know what though? I'll tell you this about Anthony Richardson here in a second here. Arizona, interesting. 
Dude, you better have a ton of draft choices to give me for me to move off of Will Anderson. Now, if I'm Howie, I think you call your boy Jonathan Gannon up and you go, I'll give you 10 and 30 for that guy. I'm not giving you any more. I'll give you 10 and 30. If you want to throw Buda Baker in, let's do it. (laughs) I don't know. Does that sound like a fair trade? Here's 10 and 30 for the third pick and Buda Baker. Would you do it? You get Buda Baker and the third pick, and you give the 10th and 30th up. Would you do it? Put Buda in your secondary, you put a position player back there, and you get Will Anderson as your edge rusher at six, four and a half. Man. Dude. Okay. I mean, (laughs) you think your defense has improved? Shit, you may have a better defense than last year. I think Rosenhaus has made it known that Carter wants Philadelphia. He does. I did. Hey, hey, uh, Tone, can you put um, Arthur's um, super chat up? I didn't read all of it. If you could for me there. I think Rosenhaus has made it known Carter wants Philly. Yes. Um, he looks up to Davis and his interview with Clark all but predicted. Agree, Sills? Um, I think Davis has a lot to do with it, Arthur. But I think Tracy Rocker has more to do with it. Why? Because he recruited him. Tracy Rocker knows that. That man's mom and dad. He had to go into his home and recruit him. He had to go in there and know he coached him. He knows all nuances. So when a player says he wants to play in Philly, yeah, you want to play with your boys, but you want to play for a coach that's got your back. And playing for Tracy Rocker is probably more of the significant part of this. And the fact that the Eagles, funny how the Eagles work, huh? They were kind of like cloak and dagger a little bit. They interviewed the defense coordinator before they hired Sean Desai. Khalid, is B. John Robinson good at pass protection? Good call and a good take. I wouldn't say overly exceptional. I would say that that would have to improve. Okay? I would. I would say that that has to improve. See, the problem that you have with Bijan, people go like this. Well, he's at Texas. Texas got Texas has by far, next to Notre Dame, the most overrated roster in college football history. I've never seen more five-star guys on a roster in Austin that can't do shit, haven't performed, and they're all in the same boat of Arch Manning. It's all about the name on the back of the jersey. Okay? Some of those guys are so overhyped. And Bijan played on a team that's overrated and overhyped, in my opinion. Texas is overrated and overhyped. Big Seal's predicting Carter to Philly now. Here's what I said. I want Bijan. Arthur, if you get Carter, remember I'm telling you, he's Jerome. You trade up for Anderson. And, and by the way, Arthur, For me, again, it's about what we're going to talk about here and what we're talking about now. 
What's being laid out in front of Howie right now? Howie is a slave to how this is going to fall in his lap. When he gets to nine, he's going to, when he, when he gets to eight, he's probably going to have a, actually, I would say this. Once the draft picks fall at three, he'll have a decision to make. Do we move up to get Anderson? Okay, do we move up there? And if everybody's in consensus, he may. Because he knows there's one of the chips that can make our football team better. And he's a wild guy. And if he passes, Anderson's done. Then he goes down to Indy. Indy's taking a quarterback. I believe they're going to take... Anthony Richardson fits Shane Steichen perfectly. I think everything Richardson Richardson has as an arsenal of tools is everything that I think that head coach wants to try to grow. Here's the problem with Anthony Richardson. He makes mistakes. He has turnovers. Jalen Hurts, you know what you can't duplicate on Jalen Hurts and that RPO guy? how smart he is and how quick he makes decisions. Anthony Richardson has all the assets and all the physical tools Jalen Hurts has. But the question mark will be, can he on the run, on the fly, can he develop the same way that Jalen Hurts is developing as a quarterback in the league running an RPO? That I really doubt. That I haven't seen anybody but Jalen Hurts do this, including Lamar Jackson. Jalen Hurts is coming along as a passer. He's getting better and better. That's not the strength of his game. His decision-making and his pinpoint decision-making on RPO is what's really paying him and really benefiting him. Again, he's, he's done something that no quarterback has done ever that I've ever seen. He's taken progression reading out of the building. RPO, linebacker. Tight end. Those guys are wide open. It's not important to progression read. It's important to make the right decision. Okay? That's why he's getting paid that money. Because he's a one-of. And I'm coming around to it. Okay? I think Indy takes the... Indy needs a corner. They're not going there. They need a quarterback. Why would you take a cornerback here at four? when you've got a massive need and you're probably going to take something that the coach needs, which is a quarterback. I don't even know who's in the building there right now in Indianapolis. They need to get the QB right. They haven't got it right since Andrew Luck. Well, Phillip Rivers was right. Here's a team here in Seattle that probably will take Jalen Carter off the board. Why? Well, Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded guy. He knows what this player is. Like I said, you could flip a quote. Remember, here's one of the impact guys. So what is is Seattle going to do? Take a lesser player at safety or going to take the most impactful guy that could help his defense win games and win the NFC West? Got to think like that. What do I have to do in the NFC West? What does Seattle have to do in the NFC West? You have to stop San Francisco's run game. What's the better way to 
stop your run game. Okay? You got to stop you got to stop San Francisco's run game. You got one quality defensive tackle that you got in free agency, now you put the other guy next to him? I don't know. You're on your way. Look. Look at what San Francisco did. They overpaid for Javon Hardgrave. Well, Seattle's got to look at that. Do you think the Eagles will draft Watkins' replacement or will they get a receiver later down the offseason? I think you probably draft a guy because it's cheaper. Dude, why receivers are dime a dozen guys now? Okay, I believe they're dime a dozen. All right, I do. I believe they're dime a dozen, man. I think you can get any one of them dudes and the guy would be productive for you depending on what the quarterback and the play system is. And, and for the record, you guys want to replace Quas... Quez Watkins, well, you better get a faster guy in there then because the one thing that at least Quez does, he makes defensive coordinators think about that 4-2 speed of his. You guys want to get a guy who has 15, 25 catches. I could care less about 15 or 25 catches that are non-important to my passing offense. I care that coordinators have to – look here. So when you're on the field and there's a guy over there who is like slow as molasses and this guy's over there and he gets five catches, great, who cares? What about the guy when he light him up wide and he's going down the field and he runs a 4-2 and my safety runs a 4-6 and I got to have that guy cover him. I'm a coordinator. I got to have deep third coverage, man. I got to think about that guy getting open, even if he has marshmallow hands. I got to think about that guy. I got to game plan that guy's speed. When you had the D-Jacks on your team, people weren't afraid of him as a wideout. They were afraid of him as a special teams guy And once he got in the open, man, you're lucky that guy wasn't naked because if he had clothes on, it's the only reason you caught him sometimes. Because if he was naked, you would never have caught that guy. People fear D-Jax because of the speed. Speed scares D-coordinators. Catches do nothing. Quez Watkins can be our Deshaun Jackson. Absolutely. Look, even if he sucks... Catching the passes. Look, the quarter, the Super Bowl, that was a massive drop. It was a massive drop. Well, don't go there now. Go to Bijan. Go to Bijan Robinson. Throw it to him in the perimeter. You know what a guy like that does? He he threatens the top of the defense. Zach Pascal doesn't threaten the top of the defense. So if you get another guy in there. Make sure he's got better hands and he's fast or as fast as him. Because I don't want to give up that dynamic. Because why? It, 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 it's, it, it's a situation where he's a decoy. Quez Watkins, as the fourth wideout, is a decoy. You don't throw to decoys. So kind of in the offensive scheme of things, you're throwing across the middle to Quez. That's kind of something Jalen will never do. I guarantee you, Jalen will never do that again late in games. Throw to Quez Watkins across the middle. He will not do that again. He throw to a back or someone else. He ain't throwing to him. Quez is a decoy. Hey, I'd rather, watch this. I'd rather have Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal on my team as my third guy. Zach Pascal gives me nothing. Maybe a little bit in the run game more. Okay. Well, that's right. I forgot. You guys don't value the run game. Detroit, too. 
at six could be a place. Why? Dan Campbell likes physicality. I think it's going to be more corner there, though. I think that's where Gonzalez goes. Why? Well, now what's important? Here, here. What's important in the NFC North right now? What's important? Think about what's important in the NFC North. What do you have to stop in the NFC North now that Aaron Rodgers is no longer there? Chicago runs the ball. Weren't they second in the NFL in rushing? Okay. Hell, they may have been first. Detroit. Okay. Minnesota. They got Dalvin Cook at least till tonight. So you got Chicago and Minnesota that run the ball. Okay. I mean, so far, I'm leaning towards Jalen Carter here because they got to stop the run. You feel me? And then you got Green Bay. You're not going to throw the ball a ton with Jordan Davis or, excuse me, with Jordan Love. You're going to run it with Aaron Jones. So the three things that Detroit has to prepare against, remember, draft your division first, then worry about the conference. Okay? Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, and Justin Fields. All three of those teams, Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, all start off a play action. Jalen Carter's my guy here. So now two of your impact guys are gone. Two of your impact guys are gone. Will Anderson's gone to Arizona. And now your sandbox is getting a little bit smaller for Howie as we're moving down to 10 here. Howie's running out of impact guys. Tyree Wilson's still there. Could he replace Brandon Graham? I told you some of my concerns on him. He lets old linemen get to his knees a little too much. If you watch him on film, they they could chop block him. They could get to him. He plays with his head up. Got to be down a little bit more, but that'll better coaching will help that. He's a very talented kid. He's got two pass rush moves, long as hell, and he can play the run. And he sets the edge pretty well for a big guy. He's a talented kid. And some of those injuries, again, are from guys getting into his knees. Dude, when you play in the NFL, guys like Jason Kelsey will cut that guy, will, will, will scoop that guy. If you're not in a position to defend yourself, Jason Kelsey would destroy that guy if he doesn't understand coaching. So he's got to get a little bit more... Coached up, in my opinion, okay? I think Detroit takes Jalen Carter. Las Vegas. Are you okay with Jimmy Garoppolo, or are you going to go C.J. Stroud here? The Raiders love to throw the ball deep. It's been a mantra of theirs since Al Davis has owned the team, um, and the McGraths were the partners to Al Davis when I was the managing general partner. This has always been a mantra. Throw the ball deep. Always been that way. Always will be that way. And to me, if it's not an offensive tackle, to me, it would be a quarterback, and it could be Stroud going here. 
I'm not as high on Stroud. I don't know if they are, but probably either Stroud or one of the tackles. Um, Vegas needs a corner. Vegas has need big pick, and Vegas has needed a corner for a decade and a half. Okay, for a decade and a half, they've they've never been able to get guys on the ground. Jimmy Garoppolo could be a bridge to something, but get this. I think that bridge is in next year's draft, not this year's draft. I think the quarterbacks are better next year. I feel more comfortable with the quarterbacks next year, the kid from UNC, the Southern Cal kid. I think there's better quarterbacks next year than this year. I think these guys, I see a lot of Zach Wilson's. Okay, I see a lot of Zach Wilsons in this draft. Just a lot of Zach Wilsons. Atlanta. Could Atlanta? Again, Detroit with Carter. It's either Carter or Gonzalez, in my opinion. It's it's Carter or Gonzalez. You got CJ back there in the slot. Gonzalez at the corner. But again, when you play in the NFC North, you got to stop the run. So what makes sense to me? There's not arms in the NFC. I got to stop the run. I got to stop San Francisco. I got to stop the division. Then get this. If you're Detroit, look at what you got to think about if you're Brad, if you're Brad Holmes, the general manager. Okay, follow me here. Okay. What do I have to stop? Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Justin Fields in my own division. Then, outside of my division and in the conference, I got to stop Jalen Hurts and I got to stop San Francisco. All dominant run teams. Jalen Carter makes sense to me here. I play a corner. What's the corner going to do? Who's he playing against? Kirk Cousins? Dak? I mean, I, I need to stop the run. Got to stop the run. Chicago. Chicago is a wreck. I mean, their philosophy makes you question where they'll go. I have no idea. I really don't. Because their offseason moves have been pathetic. You get rid of a quality player, a quality player, and Roquan Smith, you turn around and you sign two less than players for more money combined, and you think you won that? Where? How? How did you get better on defense with lesser players? Why? Because you cut it down the middle? You didn't put a value on the linebacker position? Okay. Well, you better have the front four the Eagles have. You see, Howie can play the Morrow, the N'Kobe Dean game, and the lesser players at linebacker. Why? Because his corners are great and his front seven's great. Howie's got the best defensive line in the NFC East. The Bears don't. The Bears have none of that. So if you're going to be a guy who believes, well, I'll tell you what, we'll cut that $100 million into two players and we'll play two players. Okay, well, who's your front four? The Bears are a wreck in the front four. So you have nothing in the front four there. Now, if Carter's there, would they take him? Yeah, but here, so you take Jalen Carter. 
with question marks, with zero leadership in that Bears organization. And everybody that you've drafted has been a train wreck for the last decade and a half, except for Roquan. I mean, the drafting by the Bears has been atrocious. So you're going to take a problem guy instead of taking something that would help your quarterback. You got to help Justin Fields, man. Help him. Get him a lineman. Get him a rec- I, I would feel okay if you made – look, if the Bears even got him a wideout, I'd feel okay. You've got to make moves to find out whether or not that kid can play ball for you. It's the only way. I'm going to stop at Chicago and I'm going to come back at Philly. Don't forget, Keith Byers is going to join us. And we're going to start with Philly at 10. We'll recap a little bit here. It's draft day. I'm going to tell you something else, guys. Howie doesn't know what he's doing right now because you know why? He's got to wait and see what people do in front of him. I'm not saying he doesn't have a game plan. He's probably got seven of them. But he's got to wait and see how it all plays out in front of him. Hit the like button. Hour two coming up. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Soleno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hour two, National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Seals. Please hit the like button. We're going to be efforting Keith Byers in this hour. We hope to talk to the former Eagle running back who was taken in the first round, the last running back taken by the organization, and he happened to have been the 10th pick in the draft. I will say this about what the Packers have done with the Jets. Congratulations now. For the first time in 30 years, the Packers are the worst team in the NFC North with no shot at winning the Super Bowl. And you're going to find out whether or not Gutekus, the general manager, is a good GM or not now. Because you know why? Everybody could be a good GM. We're going to find out if Matt LaFleur is really a good coach. Because once you don't have Brett Favre and you don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore, we're going to find out how good these coaches are. Look at what's happened to Belichick. If it could happen to Belichick, You don't think it's going to happen to Matt LaFleur? If you don't have the quarterback position figured out, there's not a chance in hell you win in this league. You can't win without a quarterback. You can't. So now the Green Bay Packers, with all the the media haters, with the anti-vax and Rodgers is a liar, guess what you got now? You got a gigantic question mark at quarterback. And when you when you go into a season with uncertainty, because let me let, let's put this out there with the Packers. If the Packers were so sure when they drafted that guy in the first round at a Utah State, don't you think they'd have moved off that guy three years ago before they gave him that brand new contract? That next year they got to pay him $107 million in New York. Don't you think they would have moved off that guy instead of giving that guy a king's ransom? They had to pay him the ransom because Rodgers had him, held him for ransom. Now we're going to find out. Green Bay has been barking about how great of an organization they are. Yeah, well, when you got two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, welcome to the land of Jim Drunkenmiller's. And Gino Carmazzi's and them kind of guys. Jeff Garcia's. Congratulations. I think they finish in last place in the NFC North. Matt LaFleur could be fired and that guy could have a 650 win percentage. But then you're going to realize, well, wait a minute. He ain't really that good. He's George Seifert. Funny, isn't it? George Seifert had Steve Young, and he was working with Joe Montana when he was in San Francisco. He gets a Carolina Panther job. He's fired. That guy was underway to the Hall of Fame. Okay? <laughs> Carolina needs a quarterback. Houston needs a quarterback. Arizona probably goes Will Anderson. 
Indy, I believe, goes Anthony Richardson. Seattle? Seattle or Detroit? I think that's where your Jalen Carter goes. Somewhere there. And probably Seattle. Detroit probably go corner with Gonzalez. Or reversed. Gonzalez goes to Detroit and Carter goes to, or Gonzalez goes to Seattle and then Carter goes to Detroit. Both places have to stop the run. Remember, always recruit and draft to your division first, then your conference. The NFC is a run conference. No matter what you think, all the top teams are run teams. All the past teams are in the AFC. Just the list of quarterbacks tells you that. I think the Raiders, probably corner, OT. Atlanta, if you're okay with Desmond Ritter, you probably look at defense Tyree Wilson. Chicago's got to protect and help Justin Fields. And here we are at Philly. So, the three impact players are gone. And only two are remaining. Paris Johnson and B. John Robinson. And if you tell me about another name, you have no idea what you're talking about. Because those are the two best football players. I want football players. I don't want hype. You already, you already showed me what you were about last year. You hyped it. Guy had a great combine. Had a great track meet. The guy was wonderful at the track meet. Stood on the podium. Everyone gave him a gold medal for the 478. Got him in a football game. He was Casper the Ghost. I want a football player. Okay? I want a guy who makes plays. And as I said, get this. Let's take the name running back away. Would you draft Christian McCaffrey 10th knowing he could give you the same thing McCaffrey gave you? Don't you guys get it? San Francisco has McCaffrey. Your coach, your general manager, contacted Carolina at the trading deadline to try to get Christian McCaffrey, you've got Christian McCaffrey with less picks and less money. He's a $20 million guy. There is your Christian McCaffrey, but bigger. Would you draft Christian McCaffrey at 10? Who would Howie rather have, McCaffrey or Bijan? If they could give him the same thing, he would want Bijan. Why? Passing game, run game, screen game, helps my receivers and my development of my quarterback. Let me ask you this. We're going to get, hopefully we're going to get Keith Byers on. Keith Byers, every time he touched the ball, in seven years, he averaged five and a half yards. Five and a half yards. You think he helped Randall out? With a shitty O-line. 
You think Keith, Keith Byers helped Randall with a lesser group of guys? Do you do, do you think Keith Byers helped them? Every single two times that Keith Byers had the ball in Philly, he got you a first down. He gave, he got you a first down every two times he touched the ball. Is it that you would not want that on your team with 2,000-yard wideouts? The potential of your tight end being a 1,000-yard guy and your quarterback could be a 4,500 passing guy with less carries. And you talk about dual threat, he'd be the ultimate dual threat. But you want to draft Nolan Smith or Miles Murphy. Okay, that's why the Eagles don't have a great track record of drafting. Lately, you do. But that's why you don't have a really good one, especially on the defensive side. You're not very good over there. I mean, who's the biggest star you drafted on defense in the last 20 years? Who would you say? Last 15 years, who you drafted on defense? That's a superstar player. Fletcher. Who else? Who else? What other player outside of Fletcher Cox in the last 15 years have you drafted that was a superstar player? You can't name one. You're not good on that side of the ball. You know why? You guys keep telling me you don't value the running back position. Well, you don't value superstars on defense either. But you win. But you win. Because he's great in other areas, the GM. Okay? Last 15 years, dude. Try to add up. Okay? And don't draft stars on that side. They win because they don't value that side of the ball that much. I'm not saying they won't pay. They do, but they ain't going to overpay. Bye, CJ. Bye, Javon. Bye, TJ. Let all them dudes walk. Let all them dudes walk. Okay? Okay. Now let's take a look at, let's look, Tennessee OT, Houston probably wide out at the 12th pick, their second pick. They may trade out of that. Shit. If you feel that comfortable, maybe what Philly does, they trade with Houston. Houston goes to 10. Philly goes to 12 and takes Bijan there. Takes him there at 12. And how he gets more picks in the second or third. I'm good with that. I don't think Dallas would jump up to 11 from 26 to get ahead of them. Someone else might, though. Look, Robinson is the outlier player here. Everyone knows he's the best player in the draft. 
Do you know what every general manager is trying to do with B.J. Robinson? They're trying to get him at a lesser value than where they're sitting, especially if you're in the top 10. Because many of you are right. Howie doesn't want to give a top 10 pickup for him. He'd rather give a lesser pickup for him. And that's why I'm saying, those of you that want B.J., if I were you, I would hope that Will Anderson and Jalen Carter go sooner and higher. Because the only other guy out there, the only two impact guys that I would pick would be Paris, Paris Johnson and BJ. The rest of them, Tyree Wilson, if he's there, I would have to seriously think about him too. Okay? So you think Dawkins was drafted in the last 15 rounds, huh, Bobby? Really? You think you think he was drafted in the last 15 rounds, Dawkins? I think Carter's either going to Seattle or Detroit. That's where I think he is. Dawkins was drafted in 96, my friend. 96. Now let's take a look at the Eagles' 30th pick. Okay? Like I said earlier in the program, I personally believe the 10th pick will dictate, like here, if they get B.J. Robinson, he's not going to be there at 30. He's just not. Because the Cowboys will take him. It's just not going to happen. The Eagles would have to move up on the 30th pick into, I think, the teens, like near Tampa Bay. And they would have to get Tampa's pick. And they'd have to move up to 19. Remember something, too. Detroit picks at 18 again. And you got Washington at 16. You got to keep an eye on that. New England's at 14. That makes sense. But 30 to 14, New New England wants an offensive lineman badly. Okay? What would the Eagles do? Let's just hypothetically look at it down here at 30. Would you feel more comfortable moving out? Say you did that. How about this? Say you did this. What if you come away with this draft and you came away with this draft with this? Nolan Smith and B.J. Robinson. This is, this is not counting any trades. How would you feel about your draft if you came away with those two prospects? Robinson and Nolan Smith at 30. How about Joey Porter at 30? Depth.
Miles Murphy will be down there. Wouldn't it be funny if Howie Roseman drafted Jack Campbell, a linebacker and a running back with those two picks and went against complete conventional wisdom and everything they've ever done? Do I think they'll do that? No, I think they would rather move out of that pick. I'm just going to tell you here, that 30th pick, it just seems to me, man, it would be more it would be more productive to get the hell out of that thing if I got my guy at 10. My dream draft would be the birds draft Bijan at 10 and Kalijah Kansi sitting there for the birds at 30. He's a good player. And as I said to you yesterday, this is the reason why he's down at the bottom end of the draft, two inches. Because if he was 6'4", he'd be in the top 10 too. He's a good football player. He's productive. And by the way, why do you love the school he's at? Look at all the superstar players that have come out of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a factory for the NFL. Darrell Revis. Who was the wide receiver that played in Arizona all them years down there? Um, he, played, he played at Pittsburgh. Bill Fralick, Jimbo Colvert, Dan Marino, Chris Dolman, Hugh Green, Aaron Donald, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, the list, Tony Dorsett, Curtis Martin. Pittsburgh is a factory for the NFL. They don't win as many games. Personally, in my opinion, I think they put out more players and more superstar players than what Penn State does. If you put, can, can who's the best quarterback in the history of Penn State? Kerry Collins? I got Dan Marino. Who's the best running back? Well, I got two, Curtis Martin and uh, Tony Dorsett. You have who? Let me guess. Saquon Barkley and Franco Harris. Wide receivers, Pittsburgh. Larry Fitzgerald, okay. O-Lyman, pretty close there. But you got Fralick, Jimbo Colvert. Um, you, 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 you've uh, Russ Grimm. Kurt Warner was a good player, but he ain't Tony Dorsett, dude. There's two Hall of Fame backs I can name for you in Pittsburgh. You don't have two Hall of Fame backs. You, you got a Heisman Trophy winner, too, in Dorsett. Okay? Pittsburgh produces way more talented players. Lamar Jackson agrees to terms on a contract extension. Details coming. Yeah, because you know what they're going to do? Remember what I told you. Can I tell you what swung the bar? What swung the bar? Say it with me. Come on, you pancake-eating people. You heard Big Sills yesterday. Come on, you pancake-eating son of a bee. Say it with me. Why do you think he signed that contract? Say it with me. D-hop. You're damn right. You're going to put DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of Odell Beckham Jr. with that tight end and that quarterback, and they're going to go to town in the AFC. Say it with me, you pancake-eating mother. <laughs> D-Hop and Odell Beckham. That means this. The 22nd pick goes to Arizona. 
for DeAndre Hopkins. Odell, Hopkins, the tight end, and Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Hey, Eric DaCosta, you've now officially walked yourself back into good graces. You, I, I get what just happened tonight. Either that, or they'll probably draft a wide receiver tonight. They probably told them that hey, we're going to try to get D hop here. Or maybe they've already cut the deal. Come on, you pancake eating. Oh, hey, I hate to do this to you, Jalen. You're no longer the highest paid guy in the league. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Jalen Hurts' contract pushed this thing across the finish line, and he probably wanted to get a lot of the things inside the contract that Jalen got. Okay? I, I, I would have to think. I got he, He's probably going to be 53. Dude, this is going to be razor thin. Jalen's 51. He's probably going to be 51 and a half. <laughs> I mean, he's probably going to be something like that. Okay? Look at this guy here. D hops as slow as molasses. He was on pace for 120 yards, 120 catches and 1500 yards. He would have had a better year than AJ Brown. If he was healthy, give me a break. Hertz contract put pressure on Lamar to settle. I agree. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what Lamar tried to do was upset the model of the NFL. You know, those white owners ain't going to have anybody come in there and upset the model of what we do. Remember, we're in charge. This is our ranch. You can't tell me how to herd my own cattle. This is, I run this thing. You don't. The day I let the cows run my ranch is the day I quit. Okay? Not happening. (laughs) Not happening. And so we had to. Deshaun had to. It's good. Yeah, LaShawn McCoy was also a pit running back. Don't ever tell me Penn State put out better players than Pittsburgh. That's not true. (laughs) University of Pittsburgh is a factory. Shit, one time they had Donald and Shady McCoy, and they had Darrell Rivas. All were top in the sport. I'm going to tell you something here. Now, let me say this to you. Yesterday we had Merrill Reese on. And he told me to say hi to our next guest. I'm going to bring him in here in a second. But how many people think that Keith Byers helped Randall Cunningham? Let me, before I bring Keith in, do you know every single time Keith Byers touched the ball for his seven years in Philadelphia, do you know he averaged a first down? Every two times, five and a half yards per touch. You don't think somebody like B. John Robinson could help Jalen Hurts when you got a dual threat player like Keith Byers? And what just so happens is the Eagles are sitting at 10. And in 1986, 37 years ago, this man right here was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. Can you believe it's been that long, Keith? I cannot believe it's been that long. Wow, time does fly. It does fly. Keith, where were you when you were drafted? Uh, I was having a conversation with some friends of mine uh, last week, and they said, man, did you go to New York? I'm like, no, that was – New York is new school. I'm old school. You know, like pandemic school, 
Uh, I was at home with my family in my basement at my home that I childhood home I grew up with. And that's how I was. You know, draft was on a Wednesday back in 1986. And it started at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it went to about what, past midnight that same day. It was a long marathon. One day draft about 2 o'clock in the morning. I guess that's when uh, teams were calling for free agents. <laughs> you know, so you knew. So 8 o'clock in the morning when the draft started. And I was a 10th player pick, and I got picked a little before noon, if I'm not mistaken, you know, around that time. Did you, you know, think that would be – Did you were you happy with where you went, Keith? Did you think you were going to go around that area there? Well, I, I was kind of confused, you know, since I only played like four games my senior season. Um, I knew the first pick of the draft was going to be, you know, a long shot. But Tampa was the first pick. They brought me in anyway, you know, for talking to see how, you know, with my health was like. And I had operation in that January of 1986, and I didn't get out of it. I was in a cast for over uh, 12 weeks. And by the time I got out of the cast, we're getting close to draft time. And at the time, it was 28 teams in the NFL. And I visited 21 of 28 teams in a 10-day period. And the last team that I visited was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And a lot of people had me possibly going to the Steelers. And while I was in Pittsburgh that afternoon, the Eagles called and said, we need, you know, we need them to fly and meet with our doctors here in Philadelphia. And by that point, I was exhausted. I'm like, I'm not flying anyplace else. I got one more flight into me, and that's to Dayton, Ohio, to go back home with my family. And that was my only interaction with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then that night, you may have heard that story, uh, Buddy Ryan had a Monday night radio show. That was his first year in Philadelphia. And he called me a medical reject. Uh, because he called me a medical reject, a lot of the other teams got scared. And the Steelers, you know, had me going at nine. And they didn't draft me. And I was happy about not going to Philadelphia. I mean, not going to uh, Pittsburgh. My father's from Pittsburgh. I got a ton of family from Pittsburgh. And I've been a Pittsburgh Steeler hater my whole life. I grew up a Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> so they were like, all these years you've been hating Pittsburgh. You're coming to Pittsburgh. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then the team that picked the 11th that year was the Cincinnati Bengals. And I never liked the Bengals either. I'm like, and the Bengals told me, if you're there at 11, we're going to get you. And I'm like, man, I played my whole career in Ohio and it's not in Cleveland? No. <laughs> so Philadelphia would never cross my mind. You know, huh. and, and that only time that only time I heard from Philadelphia after that was on draft day. The Eagles called me when they were about the third or fourth pick of the draft was going on. And the Eagles called and they said, Well, if you're still there at ten, would you have a surgery? We wanna you know, wanna bring you in and if we draft you at ten, we wanna insert a pin in your foot, you know, to make sure that you have any more problems. And I was like, No, I don't want no more surgeries. And I y'all if y'all draft me at ten, I'm not gonna submit to a surgery. And they was like, really? I was like, no. And so they said, okay, fine. They hung up the phone, and my mother and father looked at me, especially my father. You know, he was sick at the time, and he passed a year a year later. And he was like, Keith, you sure that, about that? I said, Dad, I'm not. I don't need any more surgeries. I've been praying about it. You know, my father was a preacher. I said, I, Lord said, I'm not going to need any more surgeries on this foot. And he was like, I said, so you know, trusted my faith. And then my father was like, okay, you know, he, you, you know, man. Keith. Some people don't realize, man, if you if you don't, if you don't have to cut on me. 
I, you ain't cutting on me, man. No. <laughs> Exactly. You're right you were not. Right you were. Hey, it was you and Bo then, right? right. It was you mm -hmm. and that was you and the Bo Jackson. Me and when Bo that Jackson. whole fiasco went down with the Buccaneers and they lose that pick because Bo told them. So it was. That's why you probably visited a lot of places Correct. because it was between you and Bo, right? Exactly. You know, Bo said, "I'm gonna play ball." <laughs> he didn't say what kind of ball. He said ball, <laughs> football, or basketball, or baseball. You know, so that's why they wanted to see where, where I was. And, you know, when I visited Tampa, I was, like, really newly out of a cast. I mean, I, I'm not even running yet. So I didn't even start running until, like, June. <laughs> you know, I'm just able to walk without a cast, without off crutches and everything else. Were you ready to go for the start of the 86 season? Yes. I got cleared the week of the first game. I had no preseason game, no, no, you know, no practices other than the week of the first game. And I started. I started the first game of the season. Okay, yeah. Keith, Keith, I need you, I need your input here. I want Bijan Robinson at 10 where you went at 10. And I say I this is why. Happen. This is why I say I want to hear you. Uh, you helped the passing game, the screen game, the run game. You helped Randall. And with a better old line like Jalen has, this guy is not just a running back here, Keith. Tell me what your belief is. Do you think the Eagles should take Bijan at 10? Ooh. I think they should, but would they? I don't know because you have you drafted a running back early already. In you know, in uh guy just left. It just went to Tampa. I mean, just went to North Carolina. To yeah, Carolina. Carolina. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. So do the Eagles And he had really, thirteen hundred yards last year and eleven I mean, touchdowns. Coming off a Pro Bowl season. You have a running back. So are the, do the Eagles value one guy that much? I don't think they do. They more running back by committee. So if you draft Bijan Robinson, are you going to commit to him to play three downs? You know, the first rounder, I would hope so. I mean, and you still have Boston Scott on the roster. You just uh, uh, Rashad Penny. You, you, you know, got Gainwell. You got Gainwell, Gainwell. there, too. Oh, you're still going to do running back by committee, even though they did that last year and it worked out. Miles Sanders still had a thousand yards, but this guy's special. I mean, it's not, it's still running back by committee. If I draft John Robinson, he has got to snap, you know, be in there for 80% of the snaps. But what kept you to. in there, Keith? Tell me if I'm wrong here. What kept you as three down was your catch, which was your uh, catching ability and your cast, the way that you were able to be part of the passing game. This guy's a hell of a receiver, and the Eagles have really no screen game whatsoever. Doesn't that help also the passing game when you put a guy oh, that yeah. has has a great ability to be able to do what you did and be kind of a – you were kind of a dual threat guy, and you could play anywhere on the field all three downs. You're right, and, and he can do – he would have that ability to do that too. And when you're able to do that, you're dictating to the defense more so than the defense dictating to you. Because Bijan Robinson, he, he would have to learn to block, but you know he can be taught that, you know. Uh, so once the, he, he he you know shows that he can block, oh my gosh, teams will be afraid to blitz because they don't know if they send that extra blitzer and he's and he's the hot receiver. Now you got him in an open space with a little defensive back, he's gonna kill that guy, <laughs> you know. Whereas having a linebacker, you know, more you know uh, slated to to, uh, to cover him, you know. But either way, he's gonna be the better athlete it'll be the advantage, you know, to the Eagles. So I would love the Eagles to draft him. 
and, you know, but this is draft day. You always a little antsy about which way teams are going to show their hand. But he would be a perfect eagle, to, you know, to, to draft. Keith, how hard was it for you to pick up? Um, because you were so good in college, your junior year, that 1,700 yards and all that. I mean, just spectacular stuff. I mean, and then when you got to the NFL, you 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 never came off the field. It was you and Keith and Chris Carter and all them guys. You had a shitty old line, but you guys had such great players back there. Was it difficult to pick up the complex pass protection and what you had to do? Was that was that, did that take a little bit more time than you thought it would when you had to pick uh, up pass protection? Not really. It was easier for me because I've always been a student of the game. And because I had no training camp, you know, to the only thing I could do was take mental reps. So I had way more mental reps than anybody. I had no physical reps. So I was, you know, you know, always taught me when I was in college, you know, Jim Trestle was my running back coach my junior year. And he had told me when he first got to Ohio State, he said, Keith, that first spring practice we went through, I don't know if you recall or not, but you had a lot of reps more so than you should have done any other starter should have gotten nothing starting running backs. He said, the reason why you got so many reps, when you wasn't in, you was asking me questions I did not know the answers to. <laughs> he said, so after spring ball was over with, Earl Bruce was the head coach, brought Trestle in his office, and he said, you know why I brought you here? And he said, well, other than – because he coached the quarterbacks and the running backs. And so Jim Trestle was like, I'm just happy to leave Syracuse and be at a big-time university, a bigger <laughs> university than Ohio State. He said, well, he said it was because of Keith Byers. He said Keith Byers wants to be great, and he wants a coach. He needs a coach that's going to help him be great. So he's going to be on you every day, in your ear, so you have got to be prepared. And so Trestle said, I knew about the passing game. I didn't care much about the running game until I got it in touch with you. I got you know connected to you, and you proved, showed me how important the running game is. So you made me as a coach go study the running game and see how important it is. And that's been one of the trademarks of Jim Tressler's, you know, career, you know, when he was still coaching. But so I've always been a student of the game. So if I got to the pros, I was learning. And so when I started the first game of the season, Buddy Ryan, we had practiced, you know, we played in Washington the first game. And so at practice, Buddy was having me in there and he was asking the coaches, did you know that? And they were like, yeah, he knows that too. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm supposed to know I did it for free. I, I learned for free. Now y'all paying me? You think I'm not going to know? Of course <laughs> you're not going to know this stuff. And so they had no confidence, to, you know, to put me in there. I got to right tell so you. I made no uh, mental mistakes. I got to tell you a quick Ohio State story. So, man, my whole time in high school, I'm talking to Woody. And I didn't realize what Elispy had. This you know, we had to come and play here the half day. <laughs> he goes, you know, we did that. And then, he, then my sophomore year or my junior year, he gets fired for the Clemson thing. And I think this guy's name was Gary Hart. Some Gary guy Hart, coach. yes. Gary Hart coach. came to my school and he goes, "We we got we 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 got your coach Earl Bruce." And I'm like, "Yeah, man, I want to play for Woody, man. <laughs> I, <laughs> hey, I wanted to play for Woody so. Oh, my whole dream was to play at the at the Rose Bowl and for Woody." And he, Woody called me up and he goes, what the, I got to tell you, Earl, Earl was a sister for me. He did that. My grandfather's like, who is that? I go, it's Woody Hayes. He goes, he's got a list. I go, I go, don't let that list fool you, man. Don't let uh, it this fool guy you. will shake some, this guy will shake the dentures out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. I mean, were you recruited I mean, so by Woody? 
no. Well, yes and no, no. You know, Woody was – I was four years beyond Woody's last year. Okay. And so during the recruiting process, Woody Hayes called me. And the first time, you know, he called me, my older sister answered the phone. And she said, Keith, is Woody Hayes on the phone? I'm like, Woody Hayes? Right. Woody's not even a coach anymore. <laughs> and he called – I answered the phone. And, like, you know, Woody Hayes' voice. Can nobody imitate his voice other than Woody? <laughs> and I, this is really Woody Hayes. And he's cursing me out. I get cursed out. Let me guess, you're, you're, you're visiting Michigan. <laughs> well, he, he heard about that visit. And he asked me, did I want to be great? And he, he said, yeah, what the hell are you doing going to Michigan? Do have, why haven't you committed to Ohio State yet? Well, I, I, don't, I haven't been to Ohio State yet. I got a visit coming up next week. Well, I want to meet you when you come there. Coach, I want to meet you. I to meet you. All the great players in Ohio stay in Ohio. They don't leave. And I got to meet him on my recruiting visit. We went to lunch. And I had Woody Hayes to my left and Earl Bruce to my right. I'm going to get myself out of frame. Gotcha. Woody Hayes to my, I mean, Earl Bruce to my right. I probably said about three or four words. I'm just sitting there just catching these pearls of wisdom that they were dropping on me. I was like, I wish I, wish I had a camera. <laughs> you know, I, hey, I got to tell you this. Yesterday... <laughs> Merrill Reese goes, I want you to make sure you tell Keith. Ask him about his radio show with Andre Waters and him that these guys used to do. They used to do this radio show in Philadelphia, and he goes, it was an absolute hoot. <laughs> you, you had to enjoy doing that with uh, with with Andre because Andre is a great dude. Oh, Andre was the best. I, I, I miss him. God rest his soul. I miss him every day. You know, Andre was just a, you know, just a genuine great, great guy. You know, I know his nickname was Andre Dirty Waters, but that was just on the field. Off the field, he was Andre Clean Waters, you know, Living Waters. You just love to be a part of that guy. How about you Wes know? Hopkins? How about Wes? Oh, gosh. Wow, wow, Wes. <laughs> uh, just, you know, that, that just another, you know, just a tremendous guy who I'm glad they was on my team. You know, I'm glad I got to play with them, you know, instead, instead of uh, against them. You know, hey, just just great memories. Keith, I want to show you this this kid Jalen Carter that's coming out of uh, Georgia. Oh yeah, I've never in my thirty five years ever done this, and I said that in my thirty five years on the air, I said I've never seen a guy that I would compare to this guy right here. He's mm. that kind of football player, and I said if Jalen Carter's there at ten, also would you draft Jerome Brown? And I've never compared. A guy that I played three years next to, I would I've never done that. And to me, I, I know he's got some issues off the field. So did JB. We all did when we were young kids. We all did. And so, you know, someone asked me about, well, the kid lied to the cops. I go, well, if I was speeding and the cop asked me if I was speeding, I would lie. Yeah. I said, so I mean, because it would hurt my draft status. Smart people make dumb mistakes. Okay, mm -hmm. dumb people make good mistakes. You got to just go with it here. So if you knew there was Jerome Brown at 10, would you draft him? Ooh, that's a high bar. Jalen Carter and Jerome Brown. Ooh, Jerome ooh. went nine now. I know. I know. My The only, in my opinion, you know more about Miami football than I do. But Jerome yeah, but you and me team. know both about that guy. Yeah, he's, the, <laughs> he's the greatest defensive lineman to ever play at Miami. And I don't know why enough people yeah. don't say that enough. No, he, he is. You know, he, he, he is. I mean, they, they've had Warren Sapp, Cortez, Kennedy. I mean, he's better than Sapp and Cortez. I recruited Cortez. 
Here's what I say about Jerome. If Jerome would have kept kept it going, Jerome Brown would have went into the Hall of Fame probably the same time that Reggie uh, went in. And I would say this with all of you guys. If Jerome didn't pass away, I think that probably would have kept many of you still in Philadelphia if that whole thing didn't start to fade away. And I know when Buddy got fired, that kind of changed the room and the owner not wanting Lachey and all that. And you guys were forced out. It was a horrible scenario with uh, yeah. Norman Brayman, who's still alive and lives in Miami, believe it or not. I mean, that just, I just, I think that was the beginning of the end, wasn't it, when Jerome it, passed? I would think that's exactly right. I mean, you're right. I, I mean, Jerome, I mean, when people ask me about my Philadelphia Eagle teammates, and I was like, where's the Philadelphia Eagle nickname? It's the city of brotherly love. We were literally brothers. Everybody on that, I mean, not everybody, but. 90% of us were brothers. Didn't matter what color you was, what religion you were. I mean, we were brothers. I mean, we were, that's how close, you know, we were. When Jerome got drafted to the Eagles, I had met him at a banquet when he was in college. And when he got drafted to the Eagles, I immediately went under over there when he came into Philadelphia. I said, took him, I mean, you're my little brother, man. I know, I know where you're going to live. You're going to be my next door neighbor. And, and he lived, he moved here next door to me. <laughs> wasn't it Keith? Wasn't it, it was Keith Jackson? Like, you and Jerome all in like again when Keith got drafted the following year. Keith, we are you gonna live? We so I live here. Keith got Jerome there, and there's Keith around the corner. <laughs> you can throw a rock at all three of our houses. That's how close we were. Only brothers, like you can look where you want, but I know where you're gonna live. You're gonna live next to me. <laughs> I mean, and so we were together on the field, off the field, all the time. And you know, as brothers, you can say anything you want to to us. And it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, because like, I can't imagine if Jerome would have still been living. Reggie, I don't. I, I think we all would have stayed in Philadelphia, even for less money. You know, it would. Yeah. we would We would have stayed, you know, together. Hey, do you agree, Keith? I think if I tell people, someone goes, Sills, what would have happened if Jerome had been a, ha, had lived? I said, he'd have been the football version of Charles Barkley. Oh, He'd have yeah. been the football because you know him, man, with that big mouth. His man, loud as hell, big old target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was like right there, you know, right on the, you know, after his fifth year. I mean, he was that '91 season would have been so. I mean, I mean that '91 season was special, but '92 would have just been even bigger and better. Keith, do you, you know, feel that it was unfinished business with you guys there in Philadelphia? Oh, no question. You know, even to this day, still unfinished business. You know, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl a few years ago, that was close to finished business. Even though I didn't get a ring, I felt the piece a part of that team. You know, like yes, finally, you know that monkey's off the Eagles. Philadelphia's back. They've won championships, but not Super Bowls. You know, but I felt a part of that. I mean, and then when I went and played in Super Bowl one thirty one against Keith Jackson and Reggie White, I'm like, well, one of us is going to get a ring. You know, today, hopefully, it's me. But, you know, one of us going to get a ring, and it was those two guys. And as hurting and disappointed as that loss was to me, you know, hey, Jay got one. Seth got one. Seth Joyner, you know, got one two years later. You know, uh, you know, it's just, you know, that team, all of us, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know, deserved it. I mean, and that's what, you know, Philadelphia brought us together, but it, it could never tear us apart. I mean, hey, we are still Two last still questions one. for you here. Um Jalen Hurts, what's your take on him? What's your feelings on what he has done? And I, I say this, and you you could probably appreciate this. I had Jimmy Johnson on the other day, and I said this. This guy's Jamal Holloway that can throw. 
I said, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's who basically he is. Remember, mm-hmm. a lot of people probably don't know who he yeah, is. But yeah, exactly. I, bigger, I said, this guy's Jamal Holloway can throw, right? Yes, yes. I mean, and if you look at, you know, Jalen Hurts, three years. He got better every year. You know, they, they put him in at the end of his rookie season. Oh, okay, we don't know what he's going to do. After that year, they say, hey, he's QB1. Okay, they make the playoffs. They lose in the first round. But you see improvement from year one to year two. Now, last year's third year, we you know, we got 10-point lead at halftime of the Super Bowl. Wow. What could what more could you ask out of a player? You want to see them improve every year. What is year four going to look like? Hey, <laughs> well, I don't know about what the team would do, but I'm expecting, you know, Jalen to take another step, you know, as a professional development of his, as his quarterback career, take another step, you know, get even better. I mean, where, where will he be at? You know, by the year 10, I don't know, <laughs> but I like the progress that he's on. And I'm glad the Re- Eagles rewarded him with a great contract. I'm going to ask you this question, and it's not an insult to Ohio State, but I want to get your spin on it. In the 155 years, Ohio State has never produced a top flight all pro quarterback in that program's history ever. You guys have tremendous running backs, O linemen. D linemen, linebackers, corners, everywhere, every position. There's a Hall of Famer in Canton, or there's an all pro somewhere. Why at that position? And you even had Joe Burrow in the building, Keith, and you let the guy walk out the building to go to LSU and succeed. Why has that been always a struggling position for the Buckeyes to develop? I'm not saying they weren't great in college, but the guy, Arch Leister, Mike Tomzak, guy Craig Krenzel. I mean, those guys aren't elite dudes. Right. Well, that's a that's a tough question. It's really ooh. huh. Well, uh, define success. I mean, would you like make? I wouldn't say Mike Tomzak wasn't a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, but he played a long time. He, I, I played against him. He wasn't a bad football he player. Was, he not at all. I'm talking all pro stuff, like you, Keith. I'm talking about elite guys like Orlando Pace and shit like that. Yes. Yes. Uh, my wife is believing I'm, I'm live on TV. I'm going to call. Thank you, honey. <laughs> you know, uh, okay. uh, but uh, that, <laughs> live, 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 live. It's all good, man. Yes. But. Hey, by the way, how long have you been married? I think it's eight years. Good, good. Eight years. Okay. Yeah, eight years. Um, I, I, so low, I mean, it's all perception. Now, if I ask you that question, how many elite quarterbacks have Miami had? Jim Kelly. Superstar. And where does it stop there, doesn't it? Well, unless you call Vinny. <laughs> does it stop there? <laughs> hey, it wait. There. Unless you call Vinny. I don't know. <laughs> Vinny. Vinny. I'll give you two. I I'll love Vinny. Bernie Kozar. Okay, three. Okay, that's We're more good. than a That's a good number. That, that, that's a good number. You know, you say Stanford. You know, I would say Jim Plunkett, John Elway. And I guess you would say Luck. But would you count Luck or no? Andrew Luck. Well, what'd he win? So, so two. (laughs) You know, Michigan. Shit, Purdue's got more success. Dawson, um, the Breeze, Greasy. Yes. um, They they got a bunch of guys. Yeah, so that's all. So it's a, a, like, and it's just a a right now question. When you look at all of them, I mean, what about Michigan? They're stuck at one. <laughs> well, you don't like one. Rick Leach? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, real quick before I get you out of here, what do you make of Justin Fields? I love Justin. But I was going to say this, too, about the quarterback. That's all of them. It doesn't matter what position you play. You have to be drafted by the right team to help the best, you know, uh, identify your talents. You know, I like Justin Fields, a couple years ago when he got drafted, I was like, I wish he had went to New England and Mac Jones had went to Chicago. Better coaching. <laughs> I think better coaching. And I think New England still would have made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. And Mac would have been, you know, uh, taking it on the chin, you know, in Chicago. You know, I still I asked somebody asked the question the other day. Who's Chicago greatest quarterbacks? Can we name three great Chicago quarterbacks? No, they Sid haven't Mann had an all-pro quarterback uh, since Sid, Sid, Sid Luckman, Luckman, 70 Luckman. years ago. There you go. And so now Justin Fields is there. His year three. They still don't have him. I might as well go out there. I can do better than what they surround him <laughs> with. With my old behind. He don't have no receivers, no running backs. And he's like, all he does is run. Well, you, that's all he can do. When you got a quarterback run for 1,000 yards, that's a special talent. Get yeah. him some help. No, they're free agency. No receivers are going there. I mean, I, I, I hope they trade Justin Fields. Chicago doesn't deserve him. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were going to trade him to get Bryce Young, and I thought they were going to do I'll that. I'll take that trade. I want to see Justin Fields be a successful quarterback. But he, Better you know, coaching. Chicago, I, I completely agree. Okay, la I'm going to sneak this last one in on you here. How much was it a culture shock, you going from the horseshoe, to the vet. <laughs> wow. How, how, much, how much did you go from that gigantic, beautiful horseshoe, and then you walk in, and the first thing you notice is the rip in the carpet? Yes, I'm like, what? <laughs> I, when I was getting my equipment, you know, at Ohio State, we had two of everything. Two I houses, know you did. And so when they fitted me, I'm like, okay, you want to fit me for my other helmet? What other helmet? What? what? All I got is one? Like, yes. No other players, no practice shoulder pads, no game shoulder pads? No. What do you think this is, Ohio State? No, not anymore, I don't. <laughs> hey, hey, Keith, that not locker anymore. room you guys had under the vet, man, I thought it was lockup or holdup. Or, man, oh I mean, I, no I went windows, down there. No Jerome windows. Goes no me around, I'm like, dog, this is like a prison, man. This ain't, I mean, he goes, look at the rats that are here, too. He got did, he show you, did he show you the weight room? It looked like it was a glorified closet. <laughs> It was horrible, horrible. You go, you go from the horseshoe to the vet. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Keith, it's going to be interesting tonight, man. It's always great I catching know. up I, with you, man, I and I appreciate you always tonight, doing this. God bless you, my friend. I will catch you. We'll talk down the road. Love to. Take care, Dan. You got it, man. Love Keith Byers, man. 1986, 37 years ago, he was drafted a 10th pick. And he's like, man, I'd love to see that. He'd love to see that pick, but he knows how they do everything by committee. Hey, can you imagine? Hang on. So what you do is you go from the horseshoe. <laughs> you go from the horseshoe to the to Veterans Stadium that had that gigantic rip. And you know the you know the other thing that was really obnoxious about the vet? Your second base. So when they put the football turf on. The second base was elevated. Like you know how they ran, they had them sand pits at second base at the vet. They were elevated. So you're running after a guy, boom, you kick it, you trip, face plant, bang. 
what did I? And, and you're like, what did I kick? You kicked second base. And, and get this, and the Eagles used to try to run you over the third and second bases in the middle of the field, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, hey, guys, I know you love it, and I know you revered it when it was around. But, man, that was a shitty field. <laughs> Holy cow, man. Worst astro turf field on the planet. It's second to none. But what was the section? Hey, before I take a timeout, what was the section that used to have all them psycho fans? It was, it was the second deck or was it the upper deck at the vet? Lamar's earns 260. We're going to hit on that here at the top. 700? Yeah, was it the seven? It was 700. Yep, it was 700. Jerome used to go like this. He goes, you see the 700 level up there, man? Don't wear another jersey. If you were caught with a cowboy jersey in the 700 level, you might get thrown off the top of the building. Like Fort Apache, the Bronx. You might get thrown off the top here. This deal, 185 mil guaranteed. We're going to talk about Lamar. Tonight's draft, we're going to recap. Holy shit, man. Last two days have been amazing how fast the show's going. Hey, by the way, don't forget, tonight, Jacob's Draft Show. Make sure you catch the fellas tonight. I'm sure they'll be all over it, and they'll give you nothing but a wonderful and professional job tonight because that's what we do here at Jacob. Everyone on this place is professional, and I'm sure they'll kick ass tonight. We're going to go for the final hour here. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
My name is uh, Fran Soleno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hour number three, National Football League draft tonight. It's draft day. Yeah. Did I watch draft day last night? No, I did not watch draft day. But I'll tell you, let, let, let me tell you my draft day story. So I've never really, I don't think, Yale and all of you guys, I don't think I've really ever told you my draft story. I was drafted with Chris Carter when Chris went to the Eagles. And I've posted, somehow it's on the 1988. That's why people are confused about my brief career. But that's why, Sills, you were drafted in 88? Kind of. I played in 87, but drafted in 88, believe it or not. Andre Bruce went in the... 87, 88 draft, Andre Bruce. And what happened was there was a question mark on my eligibility. And I went to summer school to try to graduate. Well, back then you couldn't do all that. I wanted to graduate. I wanted, I wanted a degree. So they said that I used up all my eligibility and I'm like, because I transferred. I'm like, no, I didn't. I have another year left. Or I would have went in the draft with Jerome. Still, they still count it in that way. It's really weird. So get this, guys. Friday, I'm getting ready for the Florida Gators. And Jimmy Johnson walks in, and he goes like this. He goes, you're declared ineligible. I, I hit the floor, and I was crying like a baby. I was getting ready against the Gators. He goes, don't worry. They're putting you in a supplemental draft with Brian Bosworth and Chris Carter. The three of you are going. And what happens is the next year after my year, they take that pick away. So my pick was the 57th pick. I think Bosworth was the sixth pick by Seattle. And I think Chris went in the fourth. So a fourth rounder. So look at this 48 out. It's like, 48 hours, my aunt and everyone knows it. So I'm like, I'm in my dorm room. So I show up to the Gator game on Saturday. I'm on the sidelines. Um, Turner, TBS, it was a TBS game, and they're, they're showing me, and I'm just devastated. 
I'm like, fuck, man, this is terrible, man. Jimmy let me walk out to the middle of the field and say goodbye to the Canes fans. That night, I went into the supplemental draft. That Sunday, I played against the Bears. <laughs> I gave hey. <laughs> I get drafted. They fly me the first time and the only time I've ever been on a private jet. I, I posted the picture of the ticket. I didn't even know the guy. He said, congratulations on a great career, Dan. Uh, good luck to you in the NFL. Da, 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 da. I get on a private jet. They fly me up to Tampa. I, I walk in. I don't even have my helmet yet. And they're playing the Bears Sunday. I walk in. Everyone's like, here he is, there he is, there he is. And I'm like, I didn't even know the place. I didn't even know the teammates. I didn't even know, like, the coaches. I just knew Ray Perkins because he called me, and then I met him in the morning. We had lunch and this and that. It was game day, Bears. And they activated me. My first game's against Walter Payton. I'm sitting in my locker going like this. See, you got to remember, most, most guys that get drafted this weekend, you got mini camps, rookie camps. You get, like, um, indoctrinated to the NFL. You, I, did, I, I had 24 hours. I had 24 hours. So this was – then they handed me a $550,000 signing bonus. I'm like – I showed up in a – I don't want to say the – you know what t-shirt how about i say the italian t-shirt and coaching shorts and flip-flops and they give hey and they give me this check and i remember the old and you probably don't nc and b banks i go down there and this lady goes like this i go to a drive up i go can i deposit this please mr cilio it's five hundred thousand dollars and i go yeah he goes well we've been expecting you because hugh culverhouse owns the bank and I go like this. I go, okay. so I I deposited a five hundred thousand dollar check into my checking account <laughs> at a drive through. <laughs> On my way to the stadium, old Tampa Stadium. Here, I show up. I'm sitting in my locker. Game day. I don't even have my normal locker yet at old Buck, old one Buck place. And I go like this. Yeah, I go. I, I go. I got my helmet. What, what do I do now? Everyone's looking at me. They start laughing. I go, what, 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 what do I do now? What do I do now? Leroy Salmon walks in. He starts telling me, he goes, that pressure on you, kid. I go, dude, I was supposed to play the Gators yesterday. I'm not supposed to be playing. And hey, and get this. this is this not the craziest draft story? Silio, get in. Get in what? Get out there. I don't know where to line up. What, what, what? Oh, I run out there. Pat Summerall, John Madden are calling the game. Eric, um, Irv Randall, John Randall's brother is behind me. I got a name, Ron Holmes out here. Couple guys you might know. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, where do I line up? Line up in a three technique. I knew that. So I get up in the three technique. And I go just like this. Holy shit, it's out of nowhere. I do this. Holy shit, it's Walter Payton. Everyone laughs. Holy shit, it's Walter Payton. <laughs> he starts laughing. Jared Payton, who was a hurricane, 
told the story that Cilio said this. My dad was out there, and I go, holy shit, it's Walter Payton. <laughs> ah. Uh, hey, man, so this guy named Loudermilk and, and, and like, Tom Thayer, who I'm friends with, he, he's been on the program. They all just start laughing. And, and, and Keith Van Note goes like this. Yes, it's Walter Payton. <laughs> oh, my God, man. I was so not prepared for any of that. I was starstruck. Yes, I was starstruck. The day earlier, I was supposed to play a college game. 24 hours later, I'm playing the Bears at Tampa Stadium in 100-degree weather. And I'm sitting around going like this. Holy shit, it's Walter Payton. <laughs> hey, man. That's my draft. See, my, my, my draft was a whole different world, man. We had three dudes in it. And, of course, thank God one of them turned out to be a Hall of Famer. Me and Bosworth shit to bed. At least he turned out to be a superstar player, man. So everyone's got a draft day story, man. Yeah, I walk in. I'm looking around. I go, what What do I do? They go, well, here's your gear. I'm looking at my uniform, my game. I got my game uniform. I'm playing the Bears. The Bears are two years removed from the 87, the 85 Bears when they went like one, one loss and they won the Super Bowl. I'm playing again. I'm playing against um, Jim McMahon, all them dudes, man. Richard Dent was on them teams. It was crazy, man. What a what an insane draft story. <laughs> all true, too, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you, Gigi. I appreciate it. Should be a story tonight at the NFL draft. Don't take Bijan because that's not what we do. Don't take an impact player. Here, wait. Here's who some of the media people in Philly want you to draft. Miles Murphy. God, that guy, man. I can't get rid of him. Darnell Wright. I wouldn't mind, actually, the Eagles taking an O-lineman at 30. I wouldn't mind that. I'd be okay with that. Like, watch this. Draft Bijan, trade down to 12. Take him at 12. And you draft an old lineman at 30. You covered, you covered two pods with two first-round picks. And so what? You don't have really a lot of quality backed up behind it as long as you get those two guys in the building. Doesn't that help your room? Who better than the birds in the NFC East? Nobody. Before we move on to the draft, let's do a little Lamar. I want to take a look at some of these numbers. And if you have any more of the numbers, Tone, okay? Lamar has a $260 million contract. Again, $55 million, $260. I mean, you're, you're going to have razor thin differences. I think even Herbert and Burrow. Actually, you see these contracts? Here's what I would tell you. If I'm Justin Herbert and I'm Joe Burrow, I'm pissed off they didn't get 300. Because now Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, and Spanos are going to go like this. Well, wait, the market is 260. It's not 300. Now the guaranteed money 
I would say this. Herbert's probably going to get 190. And Burrow will probably get 197.5. Some shit like that. So basically, Jalen Hurts set the market. You should be kissing that guy's ass in a way. Because now, you have two two dudes that have pretty much signed the same contract. Now, I would like to know what the cap hits are going to be for Baltimore. And if they constructed it the same way, because here's the difference. And as Tone tells me, it's 185. It's not so much that Jalen Hurts is also getting like $160 million inside. We're 170 in guarantees. It's how they structured it. They front-ended it. I wonder if Baltimore front-ended it. I wonder if Baltimore gave him the no exclusive or the no trade. Was that part of it? I do believe they're probably going to trade the 22nd pick tonight for DeAndre Hopkins. Remember I said that? Or they're probably going to draft potentially the TCU wide receiver at 22. They're going to get him a wideout and put him on the other end of Odell Beckham. To me, to get more production out of Beckham, I think you make the DeAndre Hopkins move. And Hopkins has already said he's willing to restructure and redo his contract. What does that mean? Well, he would pull a sleigh, maybe take a couple million dollars less in base. As long as you're getting a guaranteed signing bonus, you're, the players are going to – they want the actual money in their bank. Telling me you're going to pay me. Like, get this. Next year, you know the Jets have to pay Aaron Rodgers $107 million? You don't think they're going to try to restructure that and defer some of that money out? They have to. $107 million next year. So so when somebody asks the question, is Aaron Rodgers going to play ball next year? Well, if he doesn't, he forfeits $107 million. I don't believe he's forfeiting anything. Word is once the Hurts contract got done, the Ravens just offered Lamar a little more and a bit on and a bit on it. More details yet to be released. Obviously, too, the NFL Players Association has to take a look at the contract, too, and make sure. And remember, I think it's three days that they have to deposit a lot of the money on what they've structured when it comes to the signing bonus. So he is now making, what is it, $55 million per? Does that number come out to that? Is that what that is, Tone, $55 million? So he's making $4 million more than Jalen. $52 million? Yeah. Watch this. Herbert's going to be 53 and... Burrow's going to be 54. That's how this is going to go. Personally, Lamar and Jalen brought down the price, I think, of what I thought he was going to get 60, Burrow. Burrow's nowhere going to get 60. Not a chance. And now, if you're the Chiefs, you feel comfortable redoing contracts now. Because what, what is he making? 43? 42 million? They're going to clearly redo his contract. I'm talking Patrick Mahomes now. So I wonder how much collusion went in on this because right now there's no question. Once Jalen Hurts put that $51 million, 170 guaranteed, 255 deal, and then you saw the cap hit numbers and you saw how friendly those deals were, as long as you're going to give those contracts to players like Jalen's contract, Get this, what turned out to be the, you know what turned out to be the reality here? 
Check this out. The contract that set the market wasn't Watson's contract. It was Jalen Hurts's. Jalen Hurts's contract set the market. Watson will now forever be a one of. He'll forever be a one of. If Mahomes gets a bump in pay, sixty million may not be a far. Cr- no, I think the, because it's going to go like this. Lamar got fifty one. Uh, basically, he's wait a minute. Lamar making the same. Oh, he's making fifty two. He's making one million more than Jalen. So in my book, he's making the same. He's making the same. Herbert will probably be 53. And the question is, what does Burrow want to hold out for? 55? Because he's going to dictate what the Chiefs are going to pay Mahomes. If he goes to 54, they'll probably give Mahomes 55 million. These owners are not they're not going to let the market get out of hand. That's why you see these small increments now. 49, 50, 46.1, 51, 52. All the owners are not going to. One guy's, Jimmy Haslam is the guy that kind of upset the market, but they're ignoring that deal now. Nobody will ever get that deal ever again. That deal is done. And because what, what did we say? You had to bribe him to go to Cleveland. He was never going to go to Cleveland. And personally for me, I think if you're one of those teams, like this, Cleveland, Carolina, the Jets, you got to bribe players to go. I think you got to bribe them. Shit, I think you got to bribe people to play in Cincinnati. That's why they may pay him big money. And they may up it more. There's certain places uh, you don't have to bribe people to come and play. You don't have to bribe anybody playing Philly. Why? It's a great organization. Ownership wants to win. They're committed to winning. They got a general manager who will do whatever it takes to win. And he looks at premium positions. Okay? That's how you want to go to places like that. Like, here are the great organizations, in my opinion. Today... By the way, I don't think New England is. Which Are you clamoring to go play for Bill Belichick right now? No. Bill Belichick doesn't give me a chance to win. Tom Brady did. He doesn't give me the chance to win. He's proving it. He doesn't give me the chance to win. You know what Howie Roseman's showing me? Well, you got to the Super Bowl with McNabb. You got to the Super Bowl with two-headed monster and Foles. And Wentz, and now you got to a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts. My opinion, they're committed to winning. No matter who it is, no matter who the coach is, you went from Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, to Nick Sirianni. Nothing's changed. The organization's the same. That's what you want, in my opinion, when you're looking to go to a place and play. Seattle's got a turnover in ownership, so that's kind of a little bit up in the air, but they still got Pete Carroll. For how long? He's 71. Weapon goes, Joe Burrow is going to have to wear a ski mask for his offer. That's for damn sure, man. You're going to have to get that zipper off that Mike Brown wallet. I don't think Green Bay is that great an organization. I think they got lucky with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. We're going to, by the way, if Gutekest shows me with Murphy 
that they could take another team to a Super Bowl with Jordan Love, then I'll take it back. I think Baltimore's a good organization. Baltimore here getting this deal done, okay, going out and getting Odell Beckham. I believe tonight DeAndre Hopkins is a Raven. I believe he's a Raven tonight. If not, they draft a wideout because they just spent $51 million, $52 million on Lamar. Okay? Baltimore's a great organization. Um, the Jets are starting to roll into something. But you got to give me a couple more years. I think the Bucks have shown it. Bucks with Jason Light. You know, I think that's a good organization. Man, Pittsburgh is a good organization. Hey, you listen to Jet fans? Jet fans, man, you, I'll tell you what, man, they think the Lombardi's already going up Madison Avenue, man. Did they, hey, the Jet fan already thinks he's got, like going through the Canyon of Heroes. Oh, yeah! We got Aaron! We got Mr. Pothead! Yeah! These guys, you would think they, they're down the Canyon of Heroes. And there's Fireman Ed banging on his head. I mean, at least when you win in Philly, you're crashing beer cans against your skull, greasing poles so no one gets killed, and you're lifting Lombardis. You're not lifting George Hallis trophies. You're lifting Lombardi trophies. These guys are lifting their skirts. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's for another conversation. <clears throat> the jet. Hey, wait a minute, Yale. <clears throat> the Jets. The Jets. Really? <laughs> okay. The Jets. <laughs> the NFL's punching bag. <laughs> the Jets. All right. Let's reset here. Who do you guys believe the Eagles draft tonight at 10? What do they do at 10? Let me hear you. I've made my pitch for Bijan. I've made my pitch. I think I've laid it out pretty good on why they should take this guy. Who do you believe they take? Please make it an impactful name. Don't make it a dude. Robinson, Paris, trade back, Skronowski, I think Paris is better, but okay, five, Carter, Carter, Nolan in the late first makes sense. Hey, Nolan Smith at 30 makes sense. Nolan Smith at 10 is a joke. Okay, Carter or Bijan? John, I'm right there with you. <clears throat> I do not believe Will Anderson is going to be there for them to be able to move up and get him. To get to three, you have to give 10 and 30 up. Okay, I would say this to you. I'll tell you what I'll do. And tell me what you guys think. I'll give you 10 and 30. If you give me the third pick and Buda Baker. So you want Buda Baker and you want, and I'm going to give you first, two first rounders. 
You're not going to sign him. He wants out. You're not paying the safety the money. You're not. You're not paying him. Or I'll give you 10. This year's two. Next year's two. And I get Buda Baker. Okay. So you could theoretically land with Bijan Robinson or no, no, you could, you could probably land Will Anderson and Buda Baker, two starters. You could land one's an all pro and one will be, and put those guys on your defense. The Eagles would have upgraded their football team. You would have upgraded your football team. Then you get more depth in the latter rounds at your defensive tackle position, and you re-sign Sue. Is that bad? Listen again. You move up to three. You give Arizona your 10th pick. Two twos, one this year, next year. Or you give them the 30th. And you say this, well, if I'm going to give you the 30th, you have to send us Buda Baker. So then the Cardinals would have the 10th pick and the 30th pick. They would need something else if you're getting Baker too. They would need it too. You would have to give for that package to move to three. You'd have to give Arizona 10 30 and a two for Buda Baker and Will Anderson. I think that's fair. I think that's fair though. I get two starters. One's proven the other guy will. I don't know, man. Okay. Or you give them a second next year. Keep your two this year. You give them 10, 30, and your second rounder next year, knowing full well you're going to have 12 picks. And you have them send you Buda Baker. You give them the two next year. Would Arizona settle for a two next year, or will they try to force the two this year? They'd probably try to force the two this year. But I would also say you got two ones now. And you still get a premium pick at 10. And you probably still get a good edge rusher at 10. Nothing's really changed except the teams in the order because the Eagles would move to three. Then the Eagles would have to decide if they move to three, do I take Carter or Will? I'm taking Will because that's more of a premium position than the D-tackle position, even though I think the kid's a weapon. And I'm talking Jalen Carter. You just... Will Will plays the run, he's a pass rusher, and can cover. He's the best defensive football player Nick Saban's ever coached. Those are all decisions that Howie's going to have in front of him. Maybe. Remember something. The only person that has control of the draft is Carolina. Carolina, and I would say... Carolina and Houston... One of the two quarterbacks are going there. 
Or, well, how about this? I don't know who the quarterbacks are. I just know quarterbacks are going one and two. Would Houston trade that pick? Would Houston trade the pick? Why would Houston trade the pick? Arizona don't need a quarterback. Would Indianapolis move up at two? And then them go down to four? Indianapolis needs a quarterback. See, this is all about, again, maneuvering. I assume Smitty knows Anderson. Yeah, so does Jalen. So does Hurts, I'm sure of it. Seals, how often do teams trade draft teams draft back to back DTs in the first round? I think true. If you're looking at it that way, you got to look at the best player that you can have on the board that can help your football team. And in my opinion, I think this if they draft Jalen Carter at 10, it's a true testament what they think of Jordan Davis still has a lot to go. It still has a long way to go. Because why would you have taken the 13th pick defensive tackle if you're going to go back-to-back tackles? I think it would be a true statement on Jordan Davis's lack of production last year and the fact that you had to bring back Fletcher at $10 bucks. Fletcher's a fine ball player, but $10 million for a 33-year-old DT? Okay, well, all right. Why? Because Jordan Davis didn't pan out like he thought he was. You don't hate the player. You just thought he'd do more. See, that's that's where you are with Jordan Davis. You don't hate the player. You're, you're not happy with the production. I think Houston might draft Will Anderson at two. You're going to stick with that shitty quarterback? I don't know. Any good linebacker duos in the NFL today? San Francisco has some pretty good ones. I think San Francisco has some good LBs in there, but that's just not a position where you see, like back in the day with the Giants, where you had Carl Banks, LT, and Harry Carson. You're not seeing that any longer. There's not an emphasis on that. Because you know why? Why do you think there's not an emphasis on the linebacker play any longer? You know why? They don't play. There's not elite running backs in the game. So if you don't have elite running backs, you don't have elite linebackers. Those linebackers were there to cover backs and tackle running backs. They're no longer there. Okay, they're just no longer there. Um, Gary Reasons, too. He was a heck of a ball player, too. Brad Van Pelt early on, too, when Ray Perkins first got down there. They had a shitload. They had Van Pelt, Reasons, Carson. Then they brought in Taylor. Giants were always known for great linebackers. Sam Huff, I'll go all the way back. Always had great linebackers. They always had pretty good defensive lines, especially when my uncle played on it with Cat Cabbage, Rosie Greer, and Dick Mogazaleski. That was a great defensive line. That was really the first, you know, first and foursome kind of defense before the Rams. And Rosie would end up going and playing with that Rams team too. So I think Anderson could be the next Von Miller. I think he plays the run better than Vaughn. He's bigger than Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn Miller, look, Super Bowl MVP, perennial pro bowler, heck of a ball player. That would be a great honor for him. 
if he lived up to that distinction on being somebody like Von, Von's a heck of a player. Von's a heck of a ball player. I remember when Davis started the season, we were number one versus the rush. That's not true. You were 22nd. When he got hurt, we started giving up 150 yards. You, you were never. That was one of the things that they struggled on. They were not number one against the run. They were 22nd. You guys ended up 16th. That's not true. One of the big things last year was still they were having issues. And one of the reasons why they brought in Linville Joseph and Adama Katsu was because it kind of uh, buttoned up the run defense. The Eagles were never number one against the run. They were number one against the pass, I think, somewhere in there. And they had the second overall ranked defense, but not because of the run. Actually, if you think about it, the last two years, the deficiency on the defense is against the run. And now that you've lost Javon Hardgrave in there, um, you've got Milton Williams, and now you've got Jordan Davis. We're going to find out what kind of defensive front four you have because they got to stop the run. Yeah, and, and Yale goes, they brought those guys in because Davis went out. Well, once Davis got healthy, he never got in. So, I mean, he was – once he went out, he never got in. Hey, Arthur, those are great college awards. Fantastic college awards, no doubt about it. Heck of a player. By the way, I finished third in the Outland Trophy. See it down there? See it in the corner? That says Outland Trophy. Yes. That's my Outland Trophy. That's my top five finish, Outland football. See it? That says Outland Trophy, too. Heck of a college award. Love the award. Love the Lombardi Award. Seals, have you ever had an offer to work in Philly? Because we need your voice now more than ever. Joe, that's a kind compliment, but they don't put people like me on the radio in Philadelphia. Kidding me? I would never have that. People don't like the truth, dog. Only their fans do. Do you think Jordan Davis will make a big jump in production this year? Eric, he's never been productive. He's never been productive in his entire career. He's a flash player. He's never going, he's going to make an impact in your run game. He surely is, but he'll never be a 10 sack guy. He's never been, he had nine sacks in four years. He had no sacks this year. Okay. I'm good. GG. Oh no, no, we're good. Thank you so much. Just Mike. It's all good. This is it. Yeah. But, but yeah, he's going to continue to improve as a ball player in his movement and what he sees. But like I said last year, he should have been drafted around 22. It's all right. They overdrafted him again. He's what he is. So his leap, he doesn't have a high ceiling. These people that make this high ceiling up, he never had one at Georgia. He doesn't have a high ceiling. Where did you come up with that? Where? He's never at any time in his career. You know what he showed you? And, yeah, you can, you can go to this as well. When he, when he showed up for the Southeastern Conference title game, he, he, he was terrible. Then he showed up in the national title game. He was fabulous. That's what you're going to get. He's never going to be consistently like somebody like Jerome. 
who puts up nine or 10 sacks, dominates a football game, it could change or wreck your game for you. He's not that dude. He's never been that dude. The guy, 88 at Georgia, is that dude. Now, you put Jordan Davis next to Jalen Carter, and you got a three-and-a-one technique, those two dudes could wreak some havoc for a decade in there. That'd be fun to watch, too. Just Mike goes, he killed it in the combine. Yeah, Mike, but you know what? I need him to kill it against Washington. Not at the combines. I need him to kill it against the Cowboys. Not at the combines. Okay? That's what I need him to do. Combines are all well. But I say this to everyone. The drills you do at the combines, you will never do in your entire NFL career ever again. It's a one-of training. All those things that you watched those players do at combines, they will never be asked to do those drills ever again in their careers. So what kind of litmus test is that? You practice for a 40 and shuttle drills and starts and vertical jump and all that. other. You don't get tested for that shit anymore. You think they, you think they test Jason Kelsey's vertical jump? <laughs> You, what, you, you think Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson are running 40s? Not doing any of that shit. You're in the NFL. They don't need to do that. You think Lane Johnson needs to run a 40? <laughs> I mean, or, or Jordan Mulata. These guys ain't running 40s. They're drinking 40s. Still, Jalen Carter did the same thing. He stunk it up at the Ohio State game and then killed it in the title game. Yeah, but Dirty D, here's the difference with him. He's a flash player like Jerome is. Hey, Dirty, I was telling my wife this the other day, dude. Hey, I would outperform Jerome Brown every year. 95 tackles, 10 sacks, lead the team in TFLs, right? This dude would get in a... West Virginia game, take two plays off, and all of a sudden, the next six, three sacks, fumble recovery, killed the quarterback, took the next six plays off. You come back over to the bench, you sit down on the bench, and you do this. Jesus, Grammy, man, this guy. <laughs> it's aggravating when you're a player like me because you work so hard to get 10 tackles. And if you look at all my game balls, 10 tackles, a sack, 13 tackles. Jerome would never do that, but he would have these incredible plays that you would just sit on the side and he'd start laughing at me. What are you laughing at? I'd go, you're so disgusting. He would just, we would, we would sit there and goof on each other. I go, you're so disgusting. And he'd go, why? I go, man, you, you make these seven plays that are game wrecking plays. They'll take five off. I never took it. I, I couldn't take plays off. He'd take five plays off, make seven. That just killed everything in the game. And you just went like this. Jesus, criminy, man. He picking linemen up, throwing them on their head, breaking Aikman's leg in a game. I mean, he did shit. He just, like I said, he sat down and he just were like, man, this guy's so good. Best defensive lineman I've ever, like Keith said earlier, he's the best D lineman I've ever I've ever played with. I just, there's nobody like him. And I played, Randy White was good, but I was at the back end of his career. Jerome was just too much, man. 
And he shit talked. And then the guy on the other side of him was better. I mean, how could you have two guys like that on one line? That's why when Sims comes on and goes, hey, Sims, it's unfair. Jerome Brown's now an eagle. So you got Jerome Brown and Reggie White on the same line. And Clyde Simmons wasn't too much of a slouch himself. <laughs> I mean, those three dudes wreaked a lot of havoc in the NFL, dude. I mean, those three dudes killed people. I mean, that was a group. And when you got guys like that, see, I will say this to you. You know that that defense you had last year that had 70 sacks? You guys can have that team. I'll take gangrene. I'll take gangrene. Seals, but last year's Eagle defense was the greatest defense in Eagle history. Man, it's all right. I'll take gangrene. Okay, I'll just take gangrene. I don't know. There's something about that group. And then those guys you had roaming around in the secondary, Hopkins and Waters, I'll take those guys, man. Those guys put the fear of Jesus Christ in you. (laughs) I mean, it was not – that was not a defense you messed with. That knocked the teeth out of you, man. There's no defense. See, that defense you had last year, 16th against the run, there was one year I think that Eagle defense led the NFL in pass defense, rush defense, scoring defense. I think it was like third down percent, everything. I think it was that was number one across the board. You just couldn't get anywhere with them. They killed everything that moved, man. Receivers, Michael Irwin says, when you played against that team, and he used to have great battles with Aeneas Williams. You remember that guy? Remember that guy, Aeneas Williams? Play with the Cardinals. I think the Rams, too. Michael goes, man, nobody, nobody. No, he just didn't do that shit against the um, uh, the Eagle defense. And you kept your mouth shut. <laughs> you kept your mouth shut. Because they heard you. They heard you chirping. Okay, they heard you chirping. Okay. Gang Green went a few years without a hundred yard rush or like fifty straight games. It sounds no hey, that sounds that sounds right, man. Who's more likely to get traded tonight? DeAndre Hopkins or Bubba Baker? Wow, can you imagine that? So Arizona Cardinals hire a new coach and everyone wants out. That gang green team was lethal. Dirty D. You have no idea. Well, you do. You do. You guys, you guys were a fan of that team. Crazy. All right. We are going to make our final predictions with you for tonight's draft. We're getting there. We're getting there. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on his shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. National football show. Man. All right. I'm going to make my final predictions here. And I want you to understand picking, picking a player right now is kind of crazy in a way. It's more of a sandbox of players. Okay? Here's my move. See, the 30th pick is going to be for quantity. I think that's a quantity pick. Meaning that I'm going to get out of there. If I do my... If Howie does his job at 10... Now, depending... Some teams may come to him and offer him a treasure chest to get to 10, especially if players fall. What if Stroud's at 10? Would the Raiders move up? Or would the Raiders want to get down or move up? Here, would Detroit? Would New Orleans? Is Pittsburgh sold on Kenny Pickett? Drafted him last year. I guess they're going to give him another year. How about Washington? 
I don't see Washington trading. Well, then again, the Cowboys and Eagles traded on draft night. And that's how you guys got Devontae. And that's how they got Michael Parsons. I don't believe New England would. What if Houston takes Will Anderson at two and sitting at 12 and C.J. Stroud falls to 10? Would Houston move up to 10 and give Howie Roseman more picks? They got a boatload of picks. Remember, they got 12 picks. So again, this is going to be more about treasure chest. And to me, I would say this to you. Moving up is only one player. Some of you are going to go, Sills, would you move up to... Nine with the Bears. So you can draft Jalen Carter. You see, the Bears are probably going to be at this. The Bears are going to be tugging at this. Because if Carter's there, do we get an O-lineman? Or do we get the better player? And it just doesn't seem to me that they have an emphasis on defense. I think everybody's going to look at what the Eagles are doing by loading up on offense, especially with how shitty the NFC is. I think you've got to take offensive – if you're Chicago, you've got to get players around that kid. You can't be building that side of the ball off with premium picks for players on the other side of the ball that will not help your quarterback. If you've got to de-tackle, how in the world – does that help your second worst, no, the worst run defense in the NFL when he has no one around him? He has nobody around him. And you just had a propensity to show you got rid of Roquan for two dudes and you decided to split the $100 million with two guys that are average ball players. Hey, TJ Edwards is a good ball player, but he is not sensational. Seals, every NFC team but Philly needs a quarterback. I don't think Detroit does. Um, I don't think Seattle does. San Francisco does. Minnesota doesn't. Green Bay, we'll see. Washington needs one. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Golf isn't the answer. Neither is Gino. Well, Gino got that team to the playoffs. And guess what? Denver was a shit show. Okay. And golf had a winning season for the first time in decades in Detroit. Remember, it's Detroit. No, I had Seattle as one of the worst teams in the NFL. Gino lifted that team out of the garbage pail. Are they the long-term answers? Absolutely no, both of them. But they're winning. I'll tell you this. Jared Goff did more last year in Detroit than what Matthew Stafford did last year in Los Angeles. Try that one on. When's the last time that Matthew Stafford had a winning record in Detroit? 
Matthew Stafford was a failure in Detroit. One playoff win. Under 500 record. You know, remember when idiots were talking about the guy being a Hall of Famer? And I'm like, he's got a, he's got an underwater record as a quarterback. How could that guy be a Hall of Famer? Because he won a Super Bowl? I guess. One year does not make you a... Matthew Stafford's not an elite quarterback. Even with the win, he's not elite. There's nothing elite about him. He's got a great arm. That's it. He don't win a lot. He won one time. Is that enough? You know who Matthew Stafford is? He's the modern-day Joe Namath. Matthew Stafford is the modern-day Joe Namath. Okay? Joe Namath doesn't have a... You know, Joe Namath is the only quarterback in the NFL with, like, more interceptions and a losing record. But they put him in because he was on the shitty Jets and he won Super Bowl three. That's it. Was he a good player? Absolutely. But I don't care what anybody says about Joe Namath. Could he throw the ball? Beautiful. Yeah, Stafford throws the ball beautiful. Matthew Stafford's a modern-day Joe Namath. Okay? So to me, the players that you look at, got to think about Anderson because you got a relationship with Jonathan Gannon at three. I would think about it. I totally would think about it. Then you got to worry about Seattle and Detroit and Carter. Carter's the second best player. Then when you get down to 10, if Paris isn't gone, you got Paris and B. John Robinson. Which guy do you feel is going to help your football team the most impactfully try to win a Super Bowl right now? By the way, let me throw this at you. If you're going to front end Jalen Hurts' contract, isn't the emphasis in Philadelphia to win today? It's The emphasis is to win today, isn't it? Not five years from now. Today. Jalen's contract shows you what the Eagles are doing. They're pushing everything in again. They're telling you, just by the way the contract is constructed, they're pushing everything in. So my sandbox at 10, move up for Anderson. Jalen Carter's your second option. How far is he's going to be somewhere near Seattle and Detroit? You want to move up to that? You're going to have to give up some draft port, draft picks. Okay. Then if you sit at 10, depending on this kid, Hendon Hooker, he, he, he could be a dynamic in this. I don't believe he's a top 10 guy. I do believe Anthony Richardson's going to get in that top 10. I think the Kentucky quarterback, the Gator quarterback, OSU, and the Bama QB are going top 10. That's four dudes. So you've got six picks. Tyree Wilson, Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. Okay? Quarterbacks, three. You're at, that means two are left. Paris Johnson's probably the ninth. And then there's Tyree Wilson. 
Where do all those guys go? What organizations make the right call? And how he sits at 10. Dude, he, the player he covets may actually fall to him. He's got a sandbox of those five guys. Those five guys, the rest of them, I'm telling you. The rest of them are all pretty decent. There's like 13 players in this draft. It's not what you think. What, 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 what did Chris Landry say? There's like 53 solid players that are in this draft. There's like 13 really good ones and five impact guys. And I happen to agree with that. Hey, guys, our draft show, don't forget, with all the guys sitting there at Oceans, should be a fabulous show tonight. If you want to watch what we're doing, too, at Dan Silio Show, I'll be tweeting out during the draft, too. So, hey, tomorrow's going to be an exciting day. And it should be an exciting night tonight. Don't forget. Make sure you check out the fellas over at Oceans. Should be fantastic. Absolutely always the best coverage there is on the planet. Seth is going to be involved with it. Can't wait to watch it and listen to it. Can't wait to watch the draft. Have a fabulous draft night. We will catch you tomorrow, and it will be a ton of content. I promise you. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. Tone, as always, spectacular stuff. Stay tuned for the draft show. That should be great. We'll catch you tomorrow, 3 to 6, and we'll see you on the flip side. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.